Yo, what's up? Hey, yo, it's poppin' it's your man, Dean Edwards. Welcome to another episode of the Father Bucket Protocol, son. We're back. We are back in the states of the USA because I was just in China um, eating some... some <laughs> and now, I, you know what, I promised y'all it was, it was two months, it was almost two months ago that uh, we did part one. Um, and now we're back for another episode of Father Bucket Protocol, Road War. Stories. Got my girl Lynn Coppers back in the building, son. Yay. We're back at the Rio Comedy Cellar doing our thing. In a cleaner room. In much cleaner, newer rooms. If, if for those that followed, if you didn't listen to the first episode, go back a couple of couple of episodes and you can hear part one. And uh and called the skank room. <laughs> it was nasty. <laughs> it was it was a nasty room because they just they hadn't renovated, and now we're in... Yeah, like Wayne Newton spooge. Yeah, ugh, this is Wayne, the Wooten spooge, the woo, the spooge. What's that song he sang? I don't... is it, or whatever? I don't know, I don't know. Donkashane. Donkashane, yeah, Donkashane, yeah, Donkashane. Hit Donka spooge. <laughs> um, the point being, you wouldn't want to have come into any of these rooms with a blue light. No. Uh, from CSI because you would have seen... Or even just the light. <laughs> right, really. Yeah, these some rooms are better in the dark at night. Um, just like people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's, it's, it's think, think of every every drunken stupor you've been on, you know, bend you, you had, and you went to a nightclub, and they were fine when you first met them that night, and then as the night went on, you like... I used to walk them in the kitchen. Did you really? And ask the waitstaff, this guy look all right. <laughs> Uh, uh, and I just told my niece who went to college, I sent her like a bunch of words of wisdom, you know. And uh-huh. one of them was, um, when it comes to choices, if you're ever at a crossroads and you're just really conflicted, maybe you had a drink or something, I'm like, turn a light on. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. turn a light on. Right. It seems like a simple thing. Right. But it's true because you make some. Crazy choices in the dark, man. Yeah, yeah, you do. Or in dim lighting, you know? And, and a lot of those choices aren't good, and a lot of those choices are made because it's dimly lit, and you're like, oh, well. It feels like, yeah, it's like a see. dream. Yeah. We can't see it. It didn't happen. You can't see it, but it felt good, you know? Right, right. Uh, um, before before I any further, um, y'all, you know, y'all, I always give y'all my schedule. I'm actually gone most of October, but you can catch me back at the... Uh, Borgata in Atlantic City, I want to say November 4th through the 9th. Um, you catch me, Borgata, Atlantic City, uh, November 4th through the 9th. Um, that's a nice gig. Yeah, that's 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 an awesome gig. Um, you've and you've done it a couple couple yeah, times. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's it's, it's nice, especially as a New Yorker. I think it's great because it's 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 it's, it's, the, it's a local road gig. It's it's you're you're not really. Um, you said you you actually rolled on the bus down. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love the bus. Yeah, you know the bus. Nothing you get to keeps re- you real like the oh, bus. Oh, the the bus keeps you ha- because you're you're getting some of everyone. <laughs> First of all, Penn Station itself, waiting in line, <laughs> is a lesson in humility. Right. Yeah. And then you get on the bus. And I always find a nice little black lady to mm-hmm. sit by because mm-hmm. she knows everything. Mm-hmm. She knows exactly where you're going. Yeah. She knows exactly where, you know, she knows all the good casinos. Right. She can tell you Oh, yeah, that's a stop after um, Hermantown or something. They'll always And she always has snacks. Yeah, There's always, always an old black snacks, lady, yeah. old white lady that's got some sort of coffee nip mm-hmm. or peppermint. <laughs> <laughs> they have a snack and then they have something to clear your breath yeah. afterwards. <laughs> I do it, too. I share, yeah. too. yeah. 
I shared a Danish with somebody on the bus. Did you? Yeah. But this is very, very giving because, like you said, you're. Only, I always. Do you remember Richard Pryor's JoJo dance? Your life is calling. It, it was sort of an mm-hmm. oil. It was an autobiographical uh, film that he directed. He wrote and directed. Um, it was. It wasn't about him, but it was about him. He created this fictional character, but down to the uh, burning himself alive. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It was really. You should go check it. I will. But there was a there was a scene when he was leaving what in real life would have been Peoria, Illinois to go oh. um, to go pursue his uh, his his dream. And he's sitting on the bus. The only thing to do with Peoria is leave. Yeah. <laughs> place. They had a club, the jukebox. I, I hate that ju- place. I haven't been there I in years. I used to like it. And then the guy, the owner, Dan, uh-huh. um, like tried to shame me in front of everybody about not having, I didn't make it as, what the hell? You're in here? Let me just go mic over real quick. Yeah, okay. so, so we're recording the podcast and... Here's what's funny because you had the do not disturb thing, I so know. I was like, oh. So weird. can you tell us what it is so we can put on? Last the year, the guy that did the mass shooting, right, right, right. know about it. Yes, sir. Uh, from the previous year, especially if you're a high roller, mm-hmm. if you tell the hotel, I don't want anybody going to my room, mm-hmm. then that's it. Oh, okay. So since that was the rules before, he managed to stackpile all oh. those guns. Oh, got you, got okay. you. So wow. now the rules have changed. Right. It doesn't matter who you, you are. If you don't get cleaning, right. then you come check. Every day, we security mm-hmm. gets a list. Okay. And we have to enter your room, right, whether you right. like it or not. So is that, let me ask you this, because you normally when you, like you you haven't been having them come to they clean your room. They haven't come at all, but it was partly because so they that, asked me not to. Right. So does that also play into it when someone says, "I'd rather um, they asked me not to have stay them. green and not let people in my that one benefit for you guys? You get some discount. Okay. Yeah, not uh, only ten dollars. Okay. Ten dollars. Right. right. Security. Uh, again, if you look at the elevator. Mm-hmm. There's a big sign in there mm-hmm. that your room will be checked by security every 24 mm-hmm. hours, whether mm-hmm. you agree or not. Oh, interesting. And you know nobody reads that, right? No, yeah. Nobody pays and attention. And, of course, right. that's up to somebody like me to right. explain to the guests what's going on. If we're right. here, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But let me ask you this. So every, every, um, every day you do that? Every day we do that. Only if we... Don't let people no. in our room. We get a random list. Random list, okay. The opt-out that you said, uh, not don't don't ever think about security. Security doesn't uh, apply to that. The opt-out, if you don't want service, you get a discount, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's just $10 to, have, to be on a watch list. I don't want to be on a oh. watch no. list. <laughs> Whether you didn't opt-out... Oh, so it's a so random. It's random. It's so that random. so whatever whatever we get. Oh, the, right. it just picks it randomly. Yeah, whatever you, we get, you. that's the room that oh, we I enter. So whether you target you opt those people or not, you if your room people. is in our list, mm-hmm. we will make entry. If you make entry and say she wasn't here, do you? Leave? you I'm just thinking of when you they fly in an airport. Do you put a little? Note saying your room has been checked and is clear or anything. I'm just curious because I know sometimes, say at the airport, mm-hmm. if if I fly and I bag. check my luggage, but then I get to my hotel room, you know, hours later, I open my luggage and it says uh, TSA uh, screened your bag. Yeah, you, know? uh, you don't leave enough. You probably would have no way of knowing. Okay. Because if you're not here, that's why there's two of them. Oh, gotcha. Two of us. Gotcha. Uh, he's so, witness so to what I'm doing. So you just come in like little police elves. 
go look inside, <laughs> put right. my code on the phone, right. and leave. Okay. And that's it. So okay. the, the hotel knows. That's oh, good yes. enough. This okay. is, and it's not only our hotel. Mm-hmm. It's all, all every hotel. Yeah. Or, yeah, they have to now. It's a different, it's, it's, it's similar to post 9-11, mm-hmm. then yeah, the well, rules change. It's yeah. the same thing as... Uh, the airport. Right, no more Long water. Long time ago, as long as you get a plane ticket. You could just go. Now you got to take off your shoes. Yeah. You got to go to a metal detector. Right, and right, right. At first, people don't like it, but now it's the normal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the new normal. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this one, since we just started it this year. And I hate paying for water. No, I'm just <laughs> So we're good? Yeah, thanks, Thank Officer you. Chavez. Thank you so thanks, much. Y'all. Be, be safe. Y'all be yeah. safe. Take care. He helped us downstairs. He gave us the directions. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so um, so y'all weird. just heard that was that was random. That <laughs> here's what's funny. When 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 I heard that, because you've seen every movie, right? My 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 <laughs> my wild imagination. I was like, Lynn, no, you you always you always when you go to check the peephole, don't put your eye right up to it because that's where they. Pew! They okay, just... so you, you had some Pulp Fiction <laughs> idea of what was going to happen right now. And, and you know what I thought? Immediately, I was like, it's what Jones have you Vincent. stolen? Right, Is right, there right. weed here? Right. That's the first thing that right, went through right, my mind. Right. Did you get weed and what was stolen? And right. then I'm like, okay. I know. I wonder how many people they catch and they because they can smell it. Like if people are smoking. Oh, you in, in trouble. If you got yeah, dude. Room, yeah. Yo, that's crazy. That was wow. That was uh, unexpected, but a nice, uh, nice bonus. Which show are our friends coming to tonight? Uh, the nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. Sorry. Uh, nah, nah, you're good. Oh wow, wow, y'all. You know what? So you never see this. These are the things that you don't realize happen on the road. Um, but we handle it very, very the politely. The glamorous life people but, think we have. It, because people do think that. Like, how many times have you have had someone like? Like, man, you doing it. you like, hey, I haven't washed I, my hair in three I, days. I caught the bus. <laughs> I caught the bus and my I hair is dirty. I got yeah. here and the water didn't work. <laughs> right, you told me. You and told I called down. I'm like, there's no water in the room. Oh, yeah, that's a, a complication. Oh, is it? Because I thought it was like a human right. right like, you kind of have to have water. Right. I can't flush a toilet without water. Right, at least in America. You like, know, you can't not... tell me that, you, oh, oh yeah, we in a hotel. get that fixed. <laughs> In a hotel, no less. Yeah. I was I was saying before before Officer Chavez uh, showed up that in that in that movie Richard Pryor's on the bus, and there's a oh, yeah. and and he's sitting, and he just looks poor and broke, and you just hear oh, his, his stomach starts growling, while this little kid, little black kid, is eating this gr- like grubbing on some like a fried <laughs> chicken. Has in some tinfoil and he and he's eating it and they just show the kid looking forward straight at the camera and you hear, oh and he looks over at Richard and Richard just kind of looks at him and the kid's like you want a drumstick like drumstick and Richard's like yeah I'll take it and so he gives him a drumstick and I, I I just thought it was a nice moment um, showing how how how. Uh, how open he was and and how how vulnerable Richard was and and just seeing people's humanity is this. I'm telling nice you, I shared a muffin with a lady. Yeah. She was a little older than me, not uh-huh. much, and she was getting on and she was like, "Damn it, I, I wanted to go get some food." She uh-huh. had a drink, like a coffee, and uh-huh. I said, "I have some muffins, but they're kind of smashed. Do you uh-huh. want one?" She goes, "What kind?" And I said, <laughs> "The kind you want to eat." I think there's a blueberry, and uh-huh. she was like. 
well, yeah, girl, pull it out. Okay. <laughs> so and I gave her one. She she was like, thank you, baby. She uh-huh. ate it. Oh, and right. we had the, I mean, it was really nice. And you didn't hear, oh. No. <laughs> oh, and the last time I got on the bus, a guy, a guy was getting in a fight with the bus driver. Like mm, a full-on fight. Oh, like physical. Like he was bowed up, little guy. Uh-huh. And um, his his mama or grandmama mama was with him, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Ricky, I said, calm down." And she's mm-hmm. yelling at him, "Stop it, mm-hmm. stop it!" His name was Ricky. Ricky. I still remember it. And she's right. like, "Ricky, stop it, Ricky, stop it!" And finally, he's like, "Grandma, she she goes, I don't care what he said to you because the driver was black mm-hmm. and the guy was black." Okay. And I guess he thought the driver. It was hilarious to me because the driver was light skinned and he was dark skinned. So I thought he sounded thought like the, a Tyler Perry movie. Yeah, <laughs> like he. It, it wasn't racist, I guess, but he right. thought the driver said something to him. I couldn't hear all of it, but it was something about being dark skinned. He called me dark, whatever, and she was like, "I don't care." You better sit He's your blackie. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly your right. your dark whatever. Right. And um, and he got all angry, and he looked thuggy. And the driver looked like you know Morgan Freeman. He had that like. So so the so so the the driver looked like he takes pride in his job. Him. He profiled he, and him. And he profiled him just because he had on his pants were sagging a little lower. He might have had a shirt that might have exposed a tank he was top that. to rap music that he real loud right, in his right, right. earbuds. Which which you know it's funny when I'm on. Uh, this is how I know I'm older now because I'm aware I'm I'm aware of when. You're in a public space and you're taking advantage of other people, other people's space. So, like, if I'm on the train, if I'm on, if I'm on the A train in Brooklyn and somebody gets on and and I have my headphones on, but then I can suddenly hear someone walking through the train yeah, with yeah. one of those you know those beats, <laughs> those pit, those pills that have the music blasting, and because you want to say. What word? That's so you just gonna. It's so disrespectful. It's disrespectful, but then part of me is like, you know what? I don't want to say something because you want somebody to well, show you like attention. Well, it's like girls who wear juicy on their booty. Right. And it's like right. y- you have big letters on your right, ass. Right. That is stuffed into these pants, right. and you are mad now that people are looking at you. Like, come on, Saying girl, juicy. you put that there so people will right. look at it. Right. Right. Like, common sense. But what bothered me about that was the Ricky guy, if it had been a white driver, mm-hmm. I would have been offended because mm-hmm. he profiled him. Yeah. Like, he wasn't really doing anything yeah. offensive. Right. He just assumed he might. Right. So he was telling him, I don't have time for this. You're going right. to get on. you got to go be quiet. Right. Sit back there. And um, he was just like vice, vice principal mm-hmm. in him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And you know how the vice principal is always a bigger dick than the principal. Right. It's always the, the, the right. one telling Has everybody. Has to be wants to prove, prove that you know I'm you the law. Been and, yeah. <laughs> right. You're like no, you're the not. law down. Right. You're, you're you're the vice principal. But you that, got to phone. You got to make a phone. Yeah, that's that's um you know there's there's a lot of intra would that be intra racial and intra cultural uh, policing you know um, towards one another where um, you know you I think Chris Rock said. Uh, you know the most race. You know the most racist people on the planet. Oh, black men. I love that so. Because they hate it even more than than white people. You know, because it's true. It's like he's looking at him like I didn't get it. I wasn't able. Why? Why am I doing Morgan Freeman's voice? I wasn't able. I had to walk with my head up, and I couldn't. Jim Crow. I couldn't, this. I couldn't wear. I couldn't wear my pants hanging down. And why would I? And why would I want to? You know, you smoke crack. You smoke crack, Sam's. <laughs> and then next thing I work for my money. I work for my money. <laughs> 
Anyway, so we so we're back here, man. We um we we had so much fun to let y'all know. We had so much fun at, at Rio together last time that um Esty who books the comedy cellar uh New York and out here, um she actually came out um Cause uh, Michael Che and them were there, and Cipher Sounds were there. And on it was Wednesday. her birthday. And it was oh, I didn't know it was her birthday weekend. And um, so she enjoyed us so much. We had such a great rapport that she was like, ah, "If you want to go back together, make sure that you go back at the same time." So I was like, "Yeah." Wow. And when she broke news, she said, "Do you want to go? Dean is going." Oh, did she? <laughs> and I said, "Oh yeah, yeah I want to go with Dean." Yeah, no, it's it's because it's always it's always more fun. This time we're out here with uh. Uh, what I hate is that people like like our one friend who's like, oh, you with your lover? It's like, oh, why do people gotta right. be like yeah, that? It's like, like, nah, nah. Why? Because I have a friend right. that I like, right, and I'd right. rather be with him than some sourpuss. Right, right, right. And and I wrote back, I'm like, yeah, I, he is my lover, and his wife is, and his two children right. are like, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 weird. I know, but people do. People make shit weird when it shouldn't be. Well, but you know, I think that also plays into people's own insecurities. That you know, they project how they would be in that situation. You know what I mean? Oh, that's interesting. They project how they would be. Well, similar to I don't drink, right? I don't drink or smoke, and I don't broadcast it. But as soon as people find out, like when when uh, Harris and I were just at Levity, shout out to everyone that came out to Levity um, two weeks ago. Um, and after our final show Saturday night, there's a um, there's a restaurant in the mall, uh, a bar. We go to eat. We're sitting at the bar. Um, some of the people from the show came and hung out there. And so this guy comes around. He's he's kind of pissed. Pissy drunk already. He's tipsy. Uh, and he comes over. Oh, man, you guys are funny. Uh, dude, you were awesome. We love what you did. I said, oh, thanks, man. Harris like, oh, man, I appreciate that. So he says, he says, hey, man, you know, if you guys don't mind, I want to buy you a drink. So there was a time when I would automatically lead with, oh, I don't drink, right? But now, because I don't want to deal with people projecting their insecurities, I now just will say, oh, you know what, um... I'll take a ginger ale and pineapple, right? Mm-hmm. Or because I don't, I don't, I'm not big on Coca Cola. And right now, I'm not drinking. I'm off soda until Thanksgiving. I have this thing yeah. I do annually. So I said, "Oh, you know what? Um, I'll take a pineapple juice." So, uh, nah, nah. You got to drink something more than I'm buying. You got to drink more than that. I was like, "Oh man!" And now I have to. Now I have to fess up, right? Then you just tell the bartender, right? Don't give me, just give me pineapple. Don't give me vodka. Yeah, but you know why? Why do I have to now go through all that? It's well, it's, it's, know, it's it's a, I, it's six yeah, of a dozen half or whatever. You, I'd be like, thank you. Then I'll buy my own pineapple. Yeah, just right. forget it. Right, you know because then then he launched into. Oh, you don't. Oh, you don't drink. And then Harris is now defensive for me. He's like, "Oh no, I mean, he doesn't drink, but it's all good." He's like, "I'll take a, a, a Jameson and Coke." No, no, yeah, okay. You'll drink a man's drink. I'll drink a man's drink. No, no, but he can have his his fruit juice. I'm like, and I'm laughing like, "All right, man, whatever." He's like, "Yeah, you know, it's fine. It's fine. We're we're drinking like men. You're drinking like a little girl." All right, dude. He said that to you. Yeah, he didn't say that, but it was it was that that tone, and it's like, dude, it's it's. You meant well, and now you're selling it because I'd, I'm not drinking. But when people do that, from it's my perspective, his, it's, it's his he, insecurity. He feels uncomfortable drinking right? without you drinking. Right, because God forbid somebody can can enjoy themselves because that's what uh, I think Harris said. No, nah, man, he just he, he can enjoy himself 
without uh, drink. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sure he can enjoy himself and, and he can, you know, drive safely. Whereas we can, you know, not enjoy ourselves and let it all happen. And I was like, well, I mean, do you, dude? Well, it's like when I say my prayers at dinner mm-hmm. and every now and then somebody, be, oh, were you, what were you, were you saying grace? I'm like, uh-huh. Right. Oh, please. Didn't you just talk about blowjobs and stuff? I'm like, uh-huh. Right. And then they start in, I'm like, so you're religious. And it's like, wh- why is this a conversation? Right. And you and you, and you weren't making a big to-do. No, you didn't you stop everyone. I right. literally you, do it under my bed. Yeah. You didn't stop and say, excuse me, everyone bring your Who volume down. Who wants to play with me? Can we hold hands? Let's put your hands out, please. And no, yeah. and I don't even do it where you can see it. Right. I usually just bow my very, head very, and very say my quietly, little quick very prayers. Subtly. Every now and then I have a friend who'll say, oh, I'll say grace with right, you. Know? Right, right. Like I've said, great. We said we grace say grace together. together. Yeah. We usually just do it both bow right. our heads and say grace. Right. But I, I just find it because I find it obnoxious to make a big deal about saying mm-hmm, grace. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's my way to check in with God every day, and I like mm-hmm. doing it because sometimes I am remiss with my prayers. So mm-hmm. I feel like when I do that, it's like a quick call. Okay, okay. And it just keeps me right. in check. Right, it's, it's calling mom, mom and dad. Yeah, and just, hey, I'm here. Yeah, I made it. Made Get ready it. to eat. Yeah. Landed safely. Thanks for caring about me. Right, right. Boom, and um, and I really like it, and I think that's part of why we're supposed to say grace because it keeps you in check all day mm-hmm. long if you're eating all day long. Right, and um. Which we did yesterday you oh. know, at that all-you-can-eat oh, buffet, me and the fellas. <laughs> Please. I, I, I said hello to God so many times yesterday, shoving my fat face full of stuff. I'm like, uh, uh, God's like, really, ice cream? <laughs> you said grace for ice cream. <laughs> Please bless this ice cream in the hands that prepared it. Ben uh, and Jerry. That's funny. That's funny. But your your faith is important to you. Um, that uh, getting to know you, I know you speak about your faith. Um, uh, your faith permeates your life. You know, you also. That doesn't with, mean I don't veer off. No, of the not path. at all. And and I and I don't. I I'm not saying that I think you're holier than thou, or that you're right. attempting to be holier than right. thou. But I can appreciate that you have a commitment uh, to God. That um, that you don't shy away from. You're not hiding from the world. You don't. You're not necessarily walking around with your Bible, smacking people in the face with well, it. Well, because I'm fully aware that I'm a hypocrite sometimes, mm-hmm. and I'm fully aware that I'm human, and that I'm not. I'm not great, which is partly why I do pray a lot, and mm-hmm. I do want God in my life because I want to be a better person. I mean, yeah. I wake up every day just thinking I, w- I just want to be a better person, right. even if it's just better than I was yesterday. That's, that's all we can hope and pray for, really. And as you get older it becomes really clear to you. We've talked about it at breakfast, mm-hmm. about like when we're out in Hollywood and we're not, we're generalizing, obviously. Mm-hmm. But like they're, the, the, you make friendships and they're just not the same. Right, you had a good term. You said Hollywood friendships are like committee friendships? Committee friendships. Right. Like you're on a committee to have prom and right. you all become good friends because you crisis bond through this right. one project. Right. So when you're on a on a movie or on a TV show... You're friends with those people, but you're friends with them knowing that friendship may not sustain past right. that project. Right. And, and and maturity and time in teaches you to not take it personally, but just to say, okay, you know what, I, I understand this is that type of uh, relationship. So if if something else flourishes, fine, but if not, 
so be it. We we enjoyed our company um, while we were on this project, mm-hmm. and if we're on another project, then we'll, we'll we'll be on another committee together. And and then I'll be friends then, and, and we'll be you friends. know, because the one thing I'm learning is you can't sweat what you did. You did it. It's mm-hmm. over. Right. And when you sit around sweating it, and I see it all the time. We see it doing in this business. Other comics just so stressed about the audition and why didn't mm-hmm. I get it and I'm mm-hmm. like you don't even know you didn't get it right for all you know the project is over right right they decided not to do it you know and yeah. and I'm like what kind of life are you gonna have you just sweating this project for, or, or and now as I get even older I see it with guys and, and girls mm-hmm. like where my my nieces are upset about a boy I'm mm-hmm. like for all you know mm-hmm. that boy had a girlfriend the whole time he was hanging out with him. right and right. he just went back to her. Right. Like, she came home from Italy or wherever. Like, <laughs> right. I'm like, do you know stuff happens? Yeah. So all you can do is control you. And if it was real for you in that moment, then it was real. And that's right. that's all that matters. Now right. just move on. If it's keep not it working, moving. keep, keep moving. moving. And I couldn't do it when I was younger. Now I can easily. Because mm. I'm just like, and I do when I get caught up in things and I start to worry about the minutia of money or whatever. And I'm like... This is not being faithful. Mm-hmm. Like, just stop. It's just crap. Yeah. You're still here. You've not had money before. Right. You've been fat before. Right. You've not had Botox. Right. People have died. Mm-hmm. Just keep going. Life, life went on. Just keep going. As long as you're alive, you, you keep still, going. Yeah. And the worst that happens, it, when it's so much worse when you worry about it than it is yeah. when it happens. When the yeah. electricity goes off. It's off. Right. Now you deal with it. Right. But you're still alive. Yeah. But you're okay, and now you deal with it. But sweating the electricity going off right. for a month, it's just not worth it. Right. right. So I'm like, I'd rather have a great time and feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. Like today, I'm sitting waiting on you, and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have gambled that money, but I still have the voucher. So I put it in, and I win all the money back. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I wasn't sitting down to win. I was like, right. well, I got the voucher. I'll just... Right. Play Pass that some out. time till Dean comes Play that out. And it came, you know, and I'm like, ooh, thank you, right. Jesus. Right. Ha- hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 Lynn is a, an aficionado of Tyler Perry and oh. uh, T.D. Jake's uh, movies, some things you, you would not know about her. Um, that that she loves some some TV. I'm a Jake white lady who likes all the black movies. I love Baby <laughs> Boy. I love Brown Sugar. I love um, uh, what's the other one? Brown Sugar was it? When did you fall in love with hip hop? Right? Is that the mm-hmm. yeah yeah? And then um, well, there's another one. Baby Boy is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, Taraji. Yeah. You like Taraji? I love Taraji. Yeah. I also love The Brothers. Oh, The Brothers was good. I oh. enjoyed The Brothers. It's such a good Another movie. Morris Chestnut special? Yeah, Morris Chestnut annoys me, but... <laughs> he did um, all of them. He got that weird oblong head. <laughs> Don't let black women hear you say that. Why? Because they love some Morris. Because he, he's deacon looking. <laughs> he looks like a deacon. <laughs> Doesn't he? Oh, man, he looks like a deacon or, or an alderman. <laughs> an alderman, yeah, he really does. Alderman Chestnut, he even he got the really name. He really does. Now, I like me and Idris. Yeah. And oh. I like, um, I don't know, I like really dark-skinned guys. And I know Morris Chestnut is dark What about, uh, he's a little older now, Blair Underwood? I never liked him. No? He had that Billy D quality. Okay, okay. Um, 
I like even though he's light skinned Shamar. Uh, um, you Lamar, like Shamar more? Yeah, I love him. I you know so I, I know so he's many. Sweet. I like his eyes. And he, you know what? I we did a table read for something. Nicest dude, but I feel bad because sisters give him the business because uh, I've I've had I've had sisters say he's the tragic mulatto because he's they're like nah he's just he's trying too hard. I don't like that. He's you know you tell that you know his 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 and this this. Uh, Sisters talking, um, yeah, because he, you know, I know he got a white white mother, so he's always been trying so hard to be down. And when, remember when he hosted Soul Train, and he was trying so, and I was like, he's just there's a corny element to, you know. And I'm like, uh, I actually met him; he was a nice guy, I liked him. But he, see, that's too bad because what if he's just trying to know his culture? And I agree. Know both yeah. sides of it. Yeah, yeah. And he, he has to try hard because people aren't just letting him in. Right, right. Especially because not only is he a lighter skinned cat, but he's, he's good looking. I mean, that's a good-looking dude. See, know. I also love D.L. Hughley. Like, I, like, D.L. Hughley. Yeah, and yeah. the brothers, like, I thought he was, I think he's really cute in that. Uh, um, yeah, I, you know, it's funny because I know D.L. I've never <laughs> like somebody say it, look, it makes me kind of uncomfortable. You're like, like, you have like an ew oh, face. Oh, that's just D.L. He's attractive to me. He's a good-looking guy. Yeah, yeah but that, why guy. I love that movie was because I was like, you got to love black men because the bitch is in her wedding dress with a gun. And he's like, calm down, baby. Right. It's okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If that had been a little white Jewish guy, he would have been wait, like, wait, wait, wait. Where I mean, are the police? Where are you? She's not. She's lost her mind. Yeah, he would never marry her. <laughs> what, what, um, what money was spent? No, I'm not going to marry her. She just held a nine millimeter to my face. On my wedding day, we spent money. And this is so funny because all the all the brothers are even saying to him, like, yeah, you did her wrong, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like hey, they're dog. all like, look what you made happen. Hey, dog, you caused this on yourself. I just think that's it. And, and that was the movie where I learned, like, if you smell someone's balls, you can tell whether or not they've been with somebody. <laughs> you learn good that. tips in black movies. You really do. And that chicken wing tip, like, if they leave the last chicken wing, uh-huh. he loves you. I can't remember what that's from. Baby uh, boy, I think. Or, oh, or one of the wedding, Best Man. Best, it's from Best Man. Is it Best Man? It's from Best Man. That's funny. What's what's the one? No, there's another one. There was a there was a really good romantic comedy that Tracy Morgan was in. Um, it was it was an interesting. Line. It was He's like not Tracy, a lead. Uh, one of the leads. It was uh, Erica Nicole Park, Jai Park. It, it was called Thirty Years to Life. Uh, Kadeem Hardison. That. I can't believe I haven't seen you that. know I what? Because it was like an indie. It was right on the cusp of all those other movies, but it was an indie. I had to look that one and up. And it came out during season, my first season um, on, on uh, SNL, and uh, we went to the premiere. I was like, and I said to Tracy, I was like, yo, son, you, that, was, that movie shows you you can act. You show some real, real uh, depth in it. And there's a scene, um, you know what else is Dude, in I'm it? going, well, yeah, I got so depth. He's like, I, I got depth. I got, I got, I got some range. I'm an artist. Like, Eric could keep in mind I'm an artist, but I'm sensitive about my shit. I can be the shallow or the deep end of the pool, Dean. That's exactly you would say that, right? And so, uh, G Money, for Alan, Alan Payne from, uh, from, from the Cosby's, the latter years of the Cosby show, and uh, New Jack City, Kadeem Hardison, I, I think you. Eric Alexander. Oh, um, that sounds good. It's actually it's a really good movie. And... It's about all of these friends who turn 30 in the same year and the changes that they all go through um, and the expectations uh, that they all face. And one of the characters says, I think uh, Alan Anthony's character says, 
when when one of his boys is like, you know what, is out of a long term relationship, he's like, he's like, yeah, man, but you know what, you broke up with her, but she knew, she knew what she knew what you like on your salad. He was like, what do you mean? He was like, you know, you've been with somebody long enough; they know s- those intricate details. How you are, take your are, coffee? Yeah. Do you, do you, do you like uh, uh, blue cheese? Do you like Italian dressing? What what do what kind of dressing do I want on my salad? I could be messing up the the exact uh, relationship, but it was some sort of food, and um, yeah, it was a, it was a good. I really enjoyed it, but I I. I I don't think they got the right finances. So, you know, that's the thing, like you said, with Hollywood, you could put all this energy and effort into a film, into an audition, and you think you nailed it, and you ne- you never hear back, You th- and you're like, damn, what did I do? And turns out they lost the financing. I, I had that happen. There was, um when, when I was with uh, Jason Steinberg, management, he, he shared an office with a casting, uh, black casting agency called or- the Orpheus Group, right? And... They booked me, they had me come in and read for some film, and I remember like Lynn Whitfield, they had like some big names in the movie. And I remember they said, yeah, you're, um, they really like you, you're on the short list. And so maybe a month or two after the audition, didn't, didn't hear anything. Ran into them and uh, I was like, yeah, I really thought, I really thought I, I uh, was gonna book that. They said, oh no, you, you they said, you booked it. You were, you were the final offer whose deal was getting done and then they lost the financing on the film. I was like, oh. Had nothing to do with it. No, it wasn't me, you know, but, but and as as an actor, as a performer, sometimes it's, it's nice. It's always nice hearing, it's, you're not happy that something fell apart, but you're happy to know that you did book something, even if it didn't happen. You just have to have confidence that you are a beautiful shade of blue. Yeah. And if they're looking for green, you're blue. Right. You're beautiful blue. Right. But you're blue. So sometimes they'll change their mind and decide, you know what? I didn't think about blue. Like, right. Blue's great. And sometimes they're just, it ain't green. Right. I'd rather a dull green than a beautiful blue. Right. So whatever it is, I mean, I, I have auditioned my heart out mm-hmm. and then gotten text a text that says, how tall are you? Mm. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. Some short man is going to make it so I can't have this right, job. Right, right. That sucks. I'm like, how about Dean? Try these other right. guys. I know some right, tall men right, that are good actors. Right, man. Yeah. But, you know. Because Hollywood is short, for those that don't so know. It's so short. It makes sense it's short. Yeah, Hollywood is tiny and adorable. It's a, I don't know about adorable. Well, I'm being funny. They're, they're more, most of the men in Hollywood you wouldn't talk to in a bar. Yeah. Yeah, they're you really dainty. No, they're I sitting know. on a phone book driving right. their fancy yeah. cars. Right, right. Driving the action the, the action hero. Tiny little keychain man. <laughs> keychain <babe>. Fridge magnet man. <laughs> now here's a you know what? Last time we ran out of time and I said I wanted to get into your, your origin story and we didn't oh. get a chance to. We we didn't two things we didn't get to really talk about were your your humble beginnings. Uh-huh. And and you and and your relationship with with Joan Rivers and because I I I love hearing you talk about um, your relationship with Joan Rivers and whatever um, and how she sort of how she mentored you you know so where where are you from originally? Now I got a yeah of course not not she just mouth full of Twizzlers. <laughs> Don't um, worry, I'll fill in the blanks. You, you're from New York originally. Long Island? Mm-hmm. Okay, I was so born in Long Island and raised in Florida because um, 
I, I actually talk about my sisters on stage. They're not my sisters. They're my cousins. Okay. And I was raised with them. But um, black people and, and country people are the only ones who ever understand, like, what a sister cousin is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, white people always say to me, like, is she your cousin or your sister? I'm like, right. well, a sister cousin is different than a cousin. It's right. like a cousin and your auntie's like your daddy and right. your mom, you know, right. and they raise you. Right. So we slept in the same beds together and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm technically I'm an only child, so they had children I did not. So their kids all call me auntie, and so I call them sisters on stage because you see how interesting this is. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. boring to do on stage, right? Um, so did, if you don't mind my answer, so did your entire family move down to Florida, or just we did because okay. my 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 aunt was married to a um, a bad man. Okay who hit her and so forth, even when she was pregnant. Very mm. bad person. Mm. And if you knew her now, you would never believe that she mm. could be married. So she's a tough lady now. But she was young. She was right. 18, 19. Right. My mom was married to my father, who was not a bad man, but he couldn't get out of his own way. Okay. He was um, a gambler and the drugs and low-level shit for the mafia. So now we know why you had to sit down at the slot machine. <laughs> and why I had to walk away from the OTB when we... Right, uh, right. But anyway, so my mother and my aunt um, left our fathers. And for respective reasons, my aunt was being abused. Mm-hmm. And my mother was... Um, and my dad was gambling everything away. And mm-hmm. it, one of the final straws was that he took us out Long Island somewhere. And it was like a humble kind of looking house. Mm-hmm. It was like a barbecue. Okay. And everyone was kissing the ring of this man. And the baby was a mom. Oh, wow. Don. Wow. And my mom wouldn't let me. My mom it took me and we sat in the car. And mm. the guy was like yelling at my dad. My dad came out. He was yelling at my mother. And my mother like packed me up that night. And we oh, went out wow. to New Jersey to my aunt's house. And, um, and I used to tell this story all the time. Because I had a deal for, with NBC for this. Mm. My mom woke me up and was like, we're going to go live with your aunt for a while and leave your father. Are you okay with that? My mom's like 24 years old, mm. and I'm a little kid, like four or five. You know, mm. I was like, uh, are you going to feed me? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Like Bitch, this like, is like a sophisticated right. question for yeah. someone who's only been on the planet four years. <laughs> Use your right. head, yeah. lady. So... We went out and lived with them, and our dads would get us on the weekends, and that's a whole nother story. And my my uncle would pick up Corey and Chris, and they, their dad had like a girlfriend, and my dad would drop drop me at my grandparents' house and go. He was a chef, mm-hmm. and he would work at mob run restaurants, and they mm-hmm. would mysteriously burn down, and of then he would course. work at another one. And if you I, don't understand that, just watch the first or, 30 minutes of Goodfellas. Or anything. And, right. Goodfellas, uh, Godfather, any of them. Uh, casino. Mm-hmm. So anyway, my um, my mom got a call one day. I, I'm really fast-forwarding through a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were all at school in New Jersey. And the call said, um, I don't think I ever told you this. The call said, if you don't take Lenny, me, to her grandparents' house... Mm-hmm. And leave her there and let them have her. Mm. Something might happen to her little friends. Oh, wow. And, and they described what Corey and Kristen had on that day yeah. and the route we walked to school. And my mother was very scared and she hung up. She basically told them to go to hell and hung up. And my mother was, she and my aunt were, they are ballsy women, beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
They look like Janet and Chrissy. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. that's funny. As people What's your mother's background? Your mother's your mother's usually dad's Italian? Their, um, my mother my mother was her parents were German and Australian. Okay. And my dad is full Italian. Okay. His father like came over. Okay. And I'm in his mother's Italian. And um we had family that was loosely connected, in laws that were, but my father was really Donnie Brasco, low mm. level, knocking over laundromat machines and right. shit like okay. that. Driving for the, right. the guy, wannabe-ish. But right. nah, he was like a friend of ours, but not a low level one. Right. So um, my mom gets this call and she panics and she calls my Aunt Janet. Well, I shouldn't have said her name. It's okay. I'm sure nobody. Um, she. Her family was connected mm-hmm. out in another borough, mm-hmm. I will, I will okay. say. Okay. And she said, should we be worried? And she said, stay right by the phone because we didn't have call waiting or anything. Right. I'll call you right back. She called my mother back within a half hour and said, I'm so sorry, Lynette. you got to get the kids out of school now, today, right oh, now, wow. right now. And she said, they're in danger. And my, my brother's coming in. And he's going to, two of her brothers were coming in. And she said, they're going to do everything they can tonight. You'll have today off. Mm -hmm. There'll be, nothing's going to happen today. But she said, I I, I would get them out of here in the next three days. Jeez. So my mom said, what? And she said, well, Hank did a favor for these guys. And they're drunk and stupid and they're not the smartest guys, Mm -hmm. but they're dangerous. Who who was uh, Hank? Enrico, and that's my dad. Okay. Nickname is Hank in English. Okay. Henry is Enrico. Enrico is Henry. So um, my aunt said to my mom, uh, the cousins and your sister and you are in danger. They won't. No one will hurt Lenny. Mm -hmm. They they. They'll, they'll get hurt if they hurt her. Right. And she said the worst thing that could happen, she could get sent to Italy. Mm. And my mom said, uh, no way. So that day we got picked up at school. Mm-hmm. I vividly remember it. We came home. My mother told us to all go up and pick our favorite toy. Mm-hmm. We were moving. Jeez, wow. And when I came downstairs, my aunt and my mother were holding hands over a map of Florida and crying and they had a cookie jar open with all this cash mm. on the table I mm. still see it and my mom closed her eyes and pointed and said Sarasota which is where I grew up mm. and at the time Florida and California were the only places a woman could leave and get a divorce on her own mm. and, and get custody of the children so we were told we were going there but we had to sell everything and we didn't have time, so my aunt and the girls got a plane ticket and left the next morning, mm. or maybe the evening. We left that weekend, so it was like a Tuesday, Monday, and we had like four or five days, so my mom and I slept in the bed together. Mm-hmm. In your house? Okay. We had a huge, in my aunt's house, okay. we had a huge garage sale. Somebody said, they like, I'll never forget this, I was little, I was literally like five mm-hmm. or six, maybe six. and. No, it had to been almost seven because that's when I was seven when we got to Florida. There was, um, someone said they liked the doorknobs. They were the glass doorknobs. Yeah, I remember And my mom ran through the house and ripped all of them out of the doors and Mm -hmm. sold them for a dollar. And um, we sold everything, and I had my one little stuffed animal that I I can't find. I know I have it still. It's in the house. Freckles. And um, 
we loaded up a Subaru, and my grandfather called a friend he knew from a meeting, my mother said. Now I know that it was from AA. Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't know what that meant. Right. And it, I just knew a stranger was driving my mother and I, and my mother was insanely beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we all stayed in a hotel room, and my mom and I slept you're in dri- one bed. You were driving to Sarasota mm-hmm. from Jersey. In a Subaru. In a Subaru. Loaded to the where you couldn't right, see. Right, you couldn't see. You had one little hole you could okay. see. Do you through. remember what vehicle, what kind of car it was? It was, well, it was a, a white Subaru. Subaru. Okay. With blue interior. Hatchback? Yep. Okay. With me smashed up on top of things. <laughs> In the back of it, and um, we drove all the way to Florida, and we got there at night, and Corey woke up and hugged me and kissed me and said, you're going to love it here. They have Mr. Pibb, and you don't have to wear shoes. <laughs> and I Corey said, is? My sister, sister. I talk about all the yeah, time okay. on stage. And, um, and Kristen, too, is my other sister, whom mm-hmm. I, I'm not as close to as Corey. She's mm-hmm. a year older than us. Okay. But Corey was my protector and my best friend all mm-hmm. through my childhood and now even now she just gave me my new puppy um but anyway so uh the rest was history we grew up in florida right and you know my dad uh i was estranged from my dad for a long time and then when i was about 18 he started sending private investigators and stuff he came to see me in florida once and my mother had um you know uh what are they called the Oh my gosh, the sheriff, the highway sheriffs. Uh, um, um, state troopers? State troopers mm-hmm. meet him on the plane. Mm-hmm. He waved goodbye to me, and then my mom and I left, and the state troopers brought him off the plane. So, yeah, wow. my mom's my mom's cold yeah, when I she am. wants to be. And then my grandfather, Balducci, came out and visited me many times in Florida growing up. And then when I was about, but they tried to have my mom arrested for kidnapping. I mean, it was. Like, I didn't get to go out because they always thought I was going to get kidnapped. Dang, and my mother wow. used to tell me, like, I, I knew my address. And right. when I was 18, I was supposed to meet her at the Empire State Building if I ever got taken. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I was prepared to be taken wow. as a little kid. Wow. It was weird. It was a weird childhood. And then, um, you know, when I grew up and I was, like, 18, <clears throat> I called my dad from college. And I was like, what are you doing? Because he had, like, private investigators following me at college. And oh. I was like, Dad, you're not getting through to me because I don't want to talk to you. Right. And I just basically said to him, like, leave me alone. This is my choice, not yours. He thought when I was 18 I would but find him. You come to clarity and... Did, did, gr- growing up, by the time you're 18, do you know the story of why you moved oh, to yeah. Sarasota and, mm-hmm. and the call, the phone Very, call? By the time I graduate high school, I know it. Mm. So, And I know about, I have another aunt who did some shady stuff, so I know all of the shady stuff that mm. happened. And I, I did get to see my dad a couple times. My mother would let me go okay. as long as my other aunt, the one who right. was connected, was there. So you, did you, um, did you, would you say you formed a semi-healthy relationship with him by the time you were able to, you know... You... What happened was I moved to New York, mm-hmm. and he thought for sure, okay, we're going to see each other all the time, and, and then he saw I did see act. him a lot. <laughs> I hadn't become a comic yet. No, okay. I was an actress, struggling, okay. mm-hmm. and um, I mean, so my first back stand-up... So you moved back to New York as a... Yeah, you moved back to New York, and well, what did you study in... Uh, in college, I I, I moved. I was a, a theater major. Okay. Um, for my master's degree, Troy University in okay. Troy, Alabama. Okay. And um, I was a theater major, and then I stayed there. They had a program where you could get an advanced degree, 
and you know, like teaching degree, if you tack it on. So I was uh, creative writing, and um, well, my 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 undergrad degree is in it was a drama theater with a creative writing and an art minor. Okay. And then my advanced degree is in secondary education and mm-hmm. language arts. Okay. So I have a master's. And um, <laughs> isn't that weird? Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. But um, when I graduated, so it was so I could teach, and it felt like a smart thing to do. It was a smart thing to do. And um, when I left there, I uh, wanted to, you know, I, I, I went everywhere, and but I really wanted to get back to New York, and I, I did all kinds of summer stock theater and did everything, and I, I knew I had to get to New York. So eventually yeah. I left a boyfriend I was dating and everything and went to New York, and... Um, and that's a whole nother for another podcast. <laughs> but my my dad, the best the best part is that my dad and I, we because the very first stand up I ever did was at the school bus in Florida because school bus. I used to get my ass kicked for being ugly. I was such a weird looking kid. Okay. And my mom cut, my mom was beautiful. She cut my hair really short, thinking it would because my hair was frizzy. I have Italian hair. Right. And my that's mom's got thick. German flat right. thin hair. And um, I have hips. My mom has none. Oh, okay. Like, I was always like, who's this kid? Built like an Italian woman. Built like an Italian woman. Um, you know, and, and Sicilian, which is yeah, not far right, from a black right, lady. Right, right, um, The Moors and all that. They're yeah. very close. Yes, they are. <laughs> so, um, anyway, my, uh, I, would, I was watching Cyrano de Bergerac, the old school one, the mm-hmm. classic. And... He was making fun of himself, mm. and I was like, "Huh." So I made a list of all the things that hurt my feelings at the oh, bus stop. That was your first set list. <laughs> and I would go to the bus stop and do time picking on myself, and somebody would say, "Like they call me Frankenstein because I have one big eyebrow." Uh-huh. They'd be like, "Frankie, nice eyebrow," and I'd be like, "Isn't it?" I'd start batteries just with by putting my mouth on them and like just weird, <laughs> funny, goofy stuff that I just wrote myself, and and they're like. Hey! Right. Right. Yeah. My, my butt's so big, I broke the door trying to get through the room. Like, I mean, just insane yeah. uh-huh. and old school cut downs. Like, my mom tied a pork chop around me because I was so ugly and she had to make the dog play right. with me. So, um, that's funny though. Yeah. I got laughs and then I, I started doing that as because I was shy, believe it or not, to, as a defense mechanism to like protect, protect myself. Right. And then I started lashing out at bullies. Mm, Once mm-hmm. I realized I had me under control, right. I started attacking bullies. Right. You started and, using your powers for good. That's right. The greater and, good. And, and then all the nerds, I became like king of the nerds because right. all the nerds would, were kind of, I just pied piping. Hey, them. Lynn, you know what, what, you know, Lynn, you know what that dude Brian said to me? <laughs> Can you tell pencils. him about him? Yeah. He broke my pencil. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and what are you going to work with now? I don't have anything. He broke them. I was like, okay, well, he's, you know, I would just, I don't know. I would just do shit. So then I got to New York, and my dad was still want me to see him, and I would see him, and I would work him, you know. He'd give me cash that he won at the track or whatever. Right, payback. And my dad was a handicapper. He was really, he was a, a chef okay. by, by, uh, you know, vocation, but he was also very good at handicapping, handicapping uh-huh. horses. Uh-huh. Here's what's funny. When you said handicapping because you said a, a mob, I'm thinking he's the guy that they're like, yeah, yeah. An enforcer? Uh, yeah, Henry, go, go, go shatter some kneecaps. That's an enforcer. Oh, okay, okay. No, my dad just handicapped. My dad was like a bookie. Okay. But a bookie just takes the bets. A handicapper 
predicts the race. Oh, interesting. And, well, he could have worked, if he put it to good use, he could have worked for the OTB. Right. He was that good. Right. And he could have even done Wall Street, because my dad was very good with ratios and numbers. They always and, say, like, guys that... Uh, you know, drug dealers. I've I've heard for oh. years that drug dealers are like you if know. They just use that could, for good. Could have been mathematicians and sure. you know not writing numbers down but keeping it all up here. It really is just based on knowing uh, percentages and, and knowing yeah. all kinds of algebra. Yeah. So anyway, my dad. Well, and look at all these drug people. They know chemistry too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. What ended up happening, because I, I told you one of my favorite stories about my dad was we were at the BFW that he ran. Mm-hmm. He ran it like, and he was he was stealing all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, help yourself. Mm-hmm. And my dad uh, was sitting at the bar with me at the BFW. I was out visiting him for a weekend, and this guy walked in, and he goes, Hey, Rico, and that was my dad's real name. Mm-hmm. And he said, Rico, I need a pony to win. My kid's sick. And my dad goes, did I tell you this? No. And my dad goes, and the guy had a 20. And my dad goes, okay. And he pulls out a lighter. Mm-hmm. One of those big flame, mm-hmm. bullshit, big shot lighters. And he goes, you let me burn this 20, I bet the next 20 on a pony. Mm-hmm. And the guy goes, you crazy. Are you out of, I just told you my kid is sick. And he goes, get out of here with your stupid, scared 20. And he looks over at me, and he goes, if I never teach you nothing, Stinky, he called me Stinky, he goes, I want you to remember this. Scared money never wins. Mm-hmm. That guy scared 20 would have fucked up all my bets. And I've lived by that ever mm-hmm. since. Scared money doesn't win. Right, scared money When you're frightened money. about it, you ain't going to just get away. Pick, get yourself mm-hmm. up and move out of it. it right. Auditions. Love affairs, scared money doesn't win. If you're doing something because you're frightened your wife's going to leave you, mm-hmm. stop it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to win. Right. Um, but that, and then my dad, my dad was getting sick a lot. He burned the candle at both ends. He did drugs and, you know, forever. Right. And um, I would always go out and visit him. He was a funny, funny man. Mm-hmm. And one day. He was out in Long Island. Yeah. Okay. And my aunts and uncles are all out there and they're all fed up with him, you know, Rico. Mm-hmm. He brings everybody shrimp, and then you find out there's a shrimp truck that got robbed. Mm-hmm. So he was in a, he was in, this is where a lot of my faith comes from, he was in Mount Sinai. I was working my day job and going to see him after work, sitting in the side corner of this little dark hospital room mm-hmm. in Mount Sinai, looking at him going, you make me so angry. Like, I was so angry, my jaw hurt. And I said to God, this isn't right. Like, this man's my father, and I I'm, I don't have any compassion for him. I, I would mm. have more compassion for a homeless person than I have for him. And I mean, this grace just fell on me, and this feeling of forgive him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And it was so simple, and something just said, why don't you just forgive him? And I was like, I, I don't know how to do that. I've been angry for so long, right. and my mother, I felt like there was a loyalty to my mother. Right. So I called my mother. He was still unconscious. I went and called my mother, and I said, I'm going to forgive Daddy. And my mother said, who asked you not to? <laughs> Your mom was like, care. And I said, well, Mom, I, I've always felt like it was loyal to be mad at him, but it's not good. It's not good for me. It's not good for you, and it's not good for him. Mm-hmm. He won't feel this anger ever, mm-hmm. but he will feel my forgiveness. Mm-hmm. 
So I just wanted you to know I'm going to do it 110%. Mm-hmm. And right. she was like, well, okay, Lynn. And she said, who told you to do that? And I said, God. She mm-hmm. goes, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So, yeah, I guess you have to listen. Oh. When I was seven, I asked for a Bible. My mom was like, you don't want a doll? I'm like, I want a Bible. Oh, man. <laughs> Bring me my Bible, lady. So yeah. anyway, she got it. But my dad, when he got better and we went back to Long Island, I said to him, all right, here's what I have to offer you. And he said, what? And I said, I have one question, and everything rides on it. I want an honest answer. And my dad was a con. Mm-hmm. He would grift every kind of answer. Mm-hmm. So he said, well, let me tell you. You know, I said, I just want one answer. And I told him the story that my mother had told me mm-hmm. and what I remembered of it mm-hmm. about the kidnap, you know, the, the call about Corey and Kristen. And mm-hmm. I said, I just want to know, do you, did that happen? Mm-hmm. Do you think it happened? And he looked me in my face, and he looked down, and he said, Lynn, I don't know. I was on a lot of drugs then, mm-hmm. and I was messed up with some bad guys. And if your mommy and your aunt Susie say it happened, it probably did. Mm-hmm. And Dean, I knew at that moment he thought he made the wrong choice telling me the truth. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? You just that was the right answer. Mm-hmm. And he said, what? And I go, it happened. Sure, it happened. And I said, but Daddy, you can't ask me anymore about Mom and Aunt Sue. They don't. They don't. They don't care for you. Right. And you're like, stop asking me, telling me to say hi to them and stuff. Like, did they ask about you? They don't. Yeah. Okay, that right. makes me uncomfortable. Secondly, right. you, how about this? How about you, you That's stop? That's regret. That's right. That's regret. And I said, you stop telling me that when you're giving me advice. So, well, I'm your father, so I'll tell you. I go, John Coplitz raised me. Right. You're not my father. Right. You're my birth father. Mm-hmm. And I said... But I'd like to be your friend. Like, a lot of people know you. A mm-hmm. lot of people really like you. Mm-hmm. And you're charming and whole fucking hilarious. How about I stop working you for money? Mm-hmm. And he smiled. And I said, and you stop putting the father thing on me? Mm-hmm. And we try to connect mm-hmm. and be friends. But. And he got kind of teary-eyed. And he said, can you do that? Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely. But. And we started all over again. And when he died, he said... Get out of the, get her out of the room, mm-hmm. and I said, why? Why? You know, I was his best friend when he mm-hmm. died, and he said, I don't deserve you. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, you do. It's okay. It's all gonna be okay. It was really sweet. Yeah. My dad was really funny, and there was this woman that used to come in at night and bring him the till. Barbara, and she had huge boobs, mm-hmm. and he'd always like, can I touch them, Barbara? <laughs> and she'd say, I need deathbed, Rico. So like, we're at the, the wake, mm-hmm. and I'm she's tending bar. And she was not a terribly nice woman, but, mm-hmm. you know, she was just big tits. And right. she wore the most inappropriate dress to his <laughs> funeral. You knew she would. And let me tell you, the funeral was full of, like, everyone from congressmen to hookers. To full, real well, hookers. Right. Like, it was the craziest thing you've ever seen. Well. And I gave the eulogy, which I winged. It was just insane. And, um, and Barbara, I was sitting next to my cousins, and, and we're at the VFW bar, and she goes... Let me tell you something with her long pink nails and her blue. She goes, I know my dress was inappropriate, but I wore it because that was Rico's favorite dress. Uh, and I'll tell you something. Every night he would say, can I touch him, Rico? And I'd say, on your death, or can I touch him, Barbara? And I'd say, on your deathbed, Rico. Well, last she- week I marched myself over to that vet's hospital. 
and he said, "Now, Barbara," and she did it. He, she, when she did it, she did it like him moving the oxygen mask. Now, Barbara, and he, she said, it, and I said, "Now, Rico." Oh gosh, yo, that's a. That's and I turned to my cousin. I go, "This bitch killed my father." <laughs> A man with good lungs couldn't have touched those things. <laughs> and uh, I don't oh, know. Man, I, I, I'm sorry that funny. took so long. To no, talk. no, this is a fascinating. And my story. mom and I struggled together on our own for years after my aunt remarried. Mm-hmm. And one day, my mom said to me, "Come in here. I want you to see something." And I, the TV was on, and she said, "That lady just lost her husband. He killed himself." And um, it was Joan. And my mom said. Oh. And her daughter's your age. Oh, and wow. she, they're going to make it, so so are we. Wow. If they can do it, we can do it. Wow. And then years later, I worked with her. And years later, she invited me to her house for the weekend. And I was getting up early because I didn't want to miss a minute of anything. Right, right, right. And the staff was like, oh, why are you awake? And I said, I really just don't want to miss out on anything. Right, right, right. And they thought it was so sweet. And they came over and said... Well, the other guests are sleeping, but Miss Jones awake, and mm. she wanted to know if you would like to go for a walk on the property with her. Oh. And I said, oh, "Sure, I don't know if I have shoes." And they said, "Well, we'll bring your shoes." Right. So they brought me little Uggs, and we walked arm in arm around her property, and I got to tell her the story. The story. Oh wow! And she was like, "Oh, well, look at you!" And we just became really good friends after that. Oh, man, that's... Uh, Isn't that sweet? Yeah, that is. That's, and uh, she would write me on the road and say, how are you? Mm-hmm. Were you funny? Did they laugh? Yeah. She reminded me of my mom, but my mom with stand-up experience. Right, know? right. Well, and it sounds, from from how you've described your mother, your, your mom was very... I mean, your mother, in in less than a week's time, moved your, your you and your family, you and your sisters... Not just next door, not just to Across not just state. not just from not just from Teaneck to uh, Jersey City. You know, she she moved you from the north to the south. The totally different planets. You know, um, uh, at we, that time we were in the car and we pulled into a diner and they wouldn't serve us because of our, our plates were Yankee plates. Wow, wow, and um, Insane. yeah, and we were white. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. For y'all that don't realize, <laughs> if you didn't look at the picture with the podcast, Lynn, Lynn is very white. I was white then, yeah. and I'm still white. She's still white. I never, I never ripened. Right. Um, and, and yeah, so just... Because my mom did tell me one time uh-huh. that black people were ripe. Because mm-hmm. oh, I asked... <laughs> I was sad because I wanted to be... I have all these little birthmark, you know, mm-hmm, beauty mm-hmm, marks. Mm-hmm. And I really thought that we turned that you were gonna, black, uh, that they all connected. Uh-huh, eventually. Yeah, and my mom is an artist and uh, by hobby, and she never let me call, like, I couldn't call my skin flesh tone, that, that, that crayon that's called flesh tone. Right, right. My mom would be like, no, I didn't get a lot of use that. out of that one. <laughs> my mom would be like, don't call it that. What color is that? That's an apricot color, right. or that's a, you know, right. and she'd say... Your your flesh is not the color of that person's flesh. Right. So I would be like, this is brown flesh, and this is, right. you know, I think we called Indian people, I called them gray flesh. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Right. <laughs> I guess all the ones I knew were silvery, actually. Right, right. So, um, but my mom uh, was always like that, and one day I said, I'm not going to turn brown. And she was like, no, and I cried, because I don't know what it was. I always thought brown people were very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then my mother said, 
well this might be wrong to say you might have to cut it out no, say it. She I mean, said, god was painting a black girl and she splattered on you <laughs> that's not wrong so you have a little bit said. of black in you. so you got some black that's why you love tyler perry and td jakes <laughs> you got some some God splatter uh, crayon juice. And I thought I thought I could just see some black girl listen to this going. Mm-hmm. So God was sloppy with us, is what you're saying? <laughs> Didn't paint us correctly? No, he was actually just saying, "Here, I'm gonna give everybody else a little bit of this just lovely melody, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. just to give them a taste." Is that funny? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, my mom, my mom was is a strong lady. Yeah, and, yeah, and which, which, which makes sense because you're, you're very uh, matter of fact, no nonsense. When when uh, which which is I think what um, helps fuel your comedic voice and talent and perspective where comics respect you, male and female. You know, every... I, I, don't, I don't like... I'm, I'm not... Um, I'm not so full of my manhood or masculinity that I, I'm going to say, well, she's funny for a woman. I never understand. I, I, I understand when people do that because that's their own fear that they're projecting. It's like but, saying you're a funny black guy. Right. I'm like, nah, Lynn is funny because she's funny. Yeah. You know, having been around some great comics, I'm like, nah. And Chris Rock saying, yo, that's the funniest rape joke I've ever heard, you know. He didn't say that's the funniest rape joke I a heard woman. a woman say. That's the funniest rape. Did he really now. say that? Yes, he did. That's and that, awesome. that's what was because what we this is when we were shooting uh, top five, and it was uh, Artie was was hosting. Uh, uh, Dan Natterman was was on set that day. Um, but, uh, I don't know if he shot a stand up section, so they had him do something where he was in the hallway and then asked maybe about a podcast. Hey, uh, to Chris Rock's character, you, Andre, uh, you want to, hey, you want to do my podcast or something like that? And um, You know how I got that. Huh? I was already home. I had to get up the next day and I was in bed. Really? And Linda and Val called me and said, Chris is looking for you. Mm. Can you get back here? Dig it. And I said, yeah. And I'm throwing clothes on. My girlfriend who is going to watch my dog is helping me get dressed, brushing my hair. Uh I'm pulling clothes, slapping makeup back on. And they said I was in the bathroom at Fat Black around Mm -hmm. the corner. And he was like, all right, we'll wait a minute. And I raced back over. Uh And the minute he saw me, he goes, great, go downstairs. Uh And I didn't even know what I was doing. I'd never been in a movie. I'd never done anything like that. And I went down, and you were in the room. Uh And I'm kind of standing there, and and. I'm really just flabbergasted. I don't know what to do. Right. Joel Silver is big time Hollywood producer yeah, sitting there. Yeah, there's all kinds of big famous people yeah. all Rosario over the place. Rosario Dawson, J.D. Smooth. And right. I didn't even realize all of them. Right. I was pissed because we didn't get our $80 that night or six fifty dollars that night. <laughs> right. And so I'm um, on stage and I'm waiting. And the extras in the audience are looking at me. Mm-hmm. You're in the back mm-hmm. watching. And I said, uh okay, God, what do I do? Mm. And I started getting nervous and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I did what I do when I'm uncomfortable. I just started talking. Mm-hmm. And um, I start just doing crowd work and mm-hmm. goofing around. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you, how much you making to be here today? You know, right. How long you been here? You know, that, and um, how can you fake a laugh all day? You know, just messing around right. with people. And then I start doing act. Mm-hmm. But act that I don't want to do on camera. Just mm-hmm. old material. Right. And the makeup artist, um, not makeup artist, but costumer ran over with a guy and said, take a picture of her. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, okay. And I mean, I'd been down there five minutes already. Mm-hmm. I'd seen them. 
And she said, I have a funny feeling you're going to make it into the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and that got my confidence level boosted. Right, right. So then I see Chris come in, and he says, okay, action. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm right, doing my act. So right. I start my act. And then I see the big camera come around that big Panasonic yeah. box, yeah. and I'm like, oh! And, then, <laughs> and it's right on me, and I see this beautiful, what looks like Puerto Rican girl in the door, uh-huh. laughing. Yeah. And I'm like, real laughs. That wasn't she? acting. Yeah. Genuinely laughing. Yeah. The camera's not on her, so right. I'm like, well, she's beautiful, right. and I'm almost distracted by uh-huh. her. It was Rosaria, Rosaria Dawson. Yeah. And then I start. Um, don't you love that I just boiled her down to a beautiful Puerto Rican, it's a little Puerto Rican girl? Well, because the, you didn't, you, you I couldn't you, see her at all. Her. I could you just saw, see that she. You saw the, the the Crayola box, and you were like, okay, what color were Puerto Ricans? That's they were, exactly. they were she the was tan like a, brown, a, a right. cafe con leche right. skin with right. perfect hair. Um, That's funny. That looked like a black girl's hair, but it looked like hers. Right, <laughs> it was right, real. Right, right. And um, and then. This big ass camera comes rolling over on me, and I just start the rape joke. Right. Because I was like, all I know is I gotta hit him as hard as right. I can. Yeah. But I made friends with the audience. Right. So I said something after the rape joke. He doesn't say cut, so I keep, yeah. I keep going, and some guy in the audience says, "Well, what about women?" And I still have this big Panasonic camera on me, and I'm like, and now I'm seeing David Spade and all these other people, and I'm uh-huh. like, son of. Like, is this guy kidding me? Like, I don't know what to do. Right. And no one's telling me what to do, so I'm like, I'm just going to do what I would you do. You go to your instincts, yeah. So I just turn and go, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you, you, do you not know how important today is? Right. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and as I say that, I see Chris's head come over the camera, and he goes, who the fuck said that? <laughs> do it in the voice. Who the, who the fuck said that? <laughs> and he goes, cut. <laughs> cut the cameras. <laughs> You're an extra. Keep your mouth shut. Well, no, he goes, get him out. Right. Artie bounces. Hey, hey, man. No, you guys, you guys are extras. This is not a real audience. <laughs> and you, do you remember what you texted me? I uh, I probably texted you what Rock said. No, I don't remember. No, I went upstairs. I texted you a bunch, and you always you tell me the so things. You were so funny. I ran upstairs, and you sent me a text that said, Coplets, you... You got an audience member so worked up that he decided to forfeit his day pay. It was more important to yell at you than it was to make his 50 bucks and finish his day. And you're like, that was fantastic. Yo. It was great. Because we comics first. That's, that's the thing people don't realize. Like, sometimes we, <laughs> we're we rooting for, like, comics love, and I've said this on this podcast numerous times, comics love watching other comics bomb because you're really rooting to see how they can pull out, pull themselves out of that, that hole, you know? And if they pull themselves out, you're like, yes! And if they don't, you're like, right, you got a lot of work to you got to do, you know? Because when they do, right. then that that's who you want to go in combat with. Right, like, right, right, right. I want, I want that person in the foxhole with me. That's the person you, you right. say, hey, watch my act and tell me, help me with the punch right. after this. Right, right. Because that person knows how to, to work through the blood that mm-hmm. can be bleeding and still right. get it done. Right. And what was funny about that was Chris wasn't mad at me. Right, no. Even a little. Right. But I remember seeing him upstairs talking to somebody and going, they can't talk. (laughs) They're being audience members. And, you know, (laughs) now she didn't do anything. He did the, you know, she did what she does. Right. That's what he was saying. She did what she does. That's what she does. 
she, no, no, we're not doing it again. Yeah. Like he, he, it was so funny because he had it in the can. I knew he had. Yeah. Me. He was mm-hmm. just letting me run to see mm-hmm. what was there. Anything what what good, magic? Which a good director yeah. would do. Yeah. But um. And it to me it was just funny, and I just hoped. I thought I'd be in a long shot in the background. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I ended up making more money off that. That, that fifty dollars I was worried about, you know, I ended yeah. up making probably five or ten grand yeah. off that movie. Yeah, man. And and the best part was the next day I came in, and Chris hugged me. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know if everyone knows this, but like when Chris Rock hugs you, Louis C.K. hugs you. They're not huggy dudes mm-hmm. on a daily basis. They're mm-hmm. lovely guys, mm-hmm. and they're very warm and, and good friends, but they're not guys who hug you. They don't, they don't wear their emotion and no. feelings on their shoulders. No. So they're, they're very guarded. They're very guarded. But like they if, if, wear their stand-up. But they are they matters are more than anything. Yeah. yeah, man. So when they hug you, it is like a mafia don yeah. Yeah. saying, you're one of us. You're, you're, and when Chris hugged me and he said, you made it in my movie... And I just, I knew what that meant from him. Mm-hmm. Like, it meant so much to me because I knew it was him giving me a kudos. Yeah, yeah. Because he searched for you. He yeah. he's, he's, He searched, he, he same same with me. He searched, like, I, I had auditioned for, I had auditioned for uh, three roles that all went to other, to current, they went to Tracy Morgan, Farrell, and Michael Che. But at the time, and when I remember, I remember when I auditioned. Um, the casting agent was like, "She, I, I forgot who cast that. Kim Coleman, I'm not sure who. But whoever cast it, like when I left the room, she was like, "Yo, you did, you you did that because I read for three different roles and brought it on all of them. So I was like, I left this saying, I'm gonna, like, get, I'm gonna something. get something. And so when when I didn't, and not not only did I not get anything, but then with social media, I saw everybody. In the movie, right? I saw, I saw all three that I just mentioned. Plus, I saw Leslie. Plus, I saw, you know, all of the comics. You know, Voss. Just everybody, all of our peers. And I was like, damn, I, had, I thought Chris and I were at least cool. You know, we were SNL uh, alum in the frat. So, so I, they called me that week, like a year later, because those were reshoots, and they called me um, a year after the audition, and. My agent was like, "Yeah, Chris Rock just requested um, you." To, and when I got, I got that, I really was was proud and happy. I was like, "You know what, Rock? Rock looked out. You know, he he was he like, I want to, I want, I want to get Dean in there. I want to get Lynn in there. And man, you know, it makes you feel like you're part of, like you said, you're part of the." Uh, but he wouldn't man. have put us in there it, if right. we hadn't risen. Right. He wouldn't have. Right. You know, same thing with Louis. Like they can't put you in if you can't do it. Right. Right. And and which is why you can't ask them why didn't you put me in because then they're gonna have to tell you yeah. you can't act. Right. Right. Um, I mean, really, like yeah. I've talked to them about yeah. it. Like you, you just it is what it is. But um, I do think they try, and that's what I love about Amy. Like she's she's taking care of a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah. From from Feinstein to uh, Keith to uh, Bridget and uh, all this. Bridget like, Marina, Kyle, uh, uh, um, Phil. Uh, Hanley was Mark in, in Norman, yeah, all Norman, all of them. Uh, he just, she just produced Sam Morrill's uh, new special on yeah, I think that's uh, Comedy great. Central. I think that's really yeah, you, great. You, you reach back and you pull people. You, you're like, hey, fellas, uh, I'm holding the door open. Come, come run through. No, girl, I run know. through. You know, so that's that's uh, that's refreshing. I mean, that's part of why I I always wanted to make it more than anything else. Right. To be able to help everybody, help like everybody. the yeah. fun of taking people with yeah. you. Yeah. Um, yeah, how fun is that? That I mean, you know, you, 
Louis sees you and respects you and says, "Yeah, well, I, I, uh, I want, yeah, uh, you want to? Would you be interested in doing some dates? Like, do some dates? Yeah, Wait, yeah. where Madison Square Garden dates? <laughs> yeah, of course. Want to say no? No, I'd, ra- I'd rather do a, do a fifteen minute spot." In a in yoga studio, right. which is where I was right. when I got the Madison Square Garden right. thing. Yeah, dig it, dig and it. And I'm this. like, is Louis Katz asking me to do something <laughs> at a Chinese restaurant? Because it said MSG. Uh, uh, right, right. That's funny. That's hilarious. That's funny. I really thought that. Really? And then the guy said, what are you talking about? And I said, who's at MSG? And he said, Madison Square Garden. And I go, no. So who calls you for Mike it? Mike Berkowitz. Okay, okay. And I was with Big that agent kid, Ryan, you. from comics. Okay. was driving the car back from the gig we were at. And uh-huh. I said, who's Mike Berkowitz? And he said, agent. Yeah, big agent. Big agent. Represents people like, you know, Louie and yeah. Seinfeld and stuff. And I said, Louie who? And he said, Louis, Louis C.K. And I said, oh. Is there a chance I just got asked to open for him at Madison Square Garden? Mm-hmm. And I handed his girlfriend the phone in the back seat, and she said, ah, that's exactly what just happened. Uh. And I was like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. So I wrote back, yes, I'll do it. Right. And I said, um, wow. And he said, and I think you get paid decent. And I said, paid? <laughs> I don't think we get paid. And he said, uh, why wouldn't you get paid? And I said, did you hear me just say Madison Square Garden? Mm-hmm. I just did this fucking yoga studio for a piece of cake <laughs> and a pat on the back. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get paid. Well, I did get paid a lot of money, like yeah, three grand. That's right, two, yeah. like five minutes. And I did it with Michelle and Rachel, and it was just um, unbelievable. Yeah. But, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, man. But we, we jumped ahead. Like, I didn't... So when you're, you're in New York toiling away as a... We've jumped around chronolo- chronology, but you're in New York. Chronologically. Um, yeah, chronologically. But I liked chronology. Well, but <laughs> the chronology is the timeline, no? The chronology, yes. So so I did use it properly. I think you did. Chronolo- chron- mm-hmm. No, I think it's chronological. No, it is. You, chronologically would be uh, the, the movement of time, but I'm saying we jumped around the, the actual chronology. Yeah, you're probably right. No, so they're both right. There's, there's not That's wrong. right. So you're, you're back <laughs> in New York, right? Yeah. And you're, you've you received your master's at Troy uh-huh. uh, in theater. Theater. So you moved back to New York to pursue theater. As, as, as you, wanna, you, yeah, you want to, you want to pursue acting. I pursued it for about acting. a week. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> realized I would prefer to pursue food. Okay. Um, I was like, I'm gonna die on the street here doing this. Like this is silly. Uh-huh. I can't do this. And um. But I didn't stop. I said to God, you know, I'm not, I'm not leaving, uh-huh. but I can't. This is not smart. What was it about the grind of an actor? Well, it was just way you? more elevated, and I I only had about $7,000 with me. And uh-huh. um, I was dating a guy in Tennessee, and we were getting very fat. We were eating, I think I told you last time, we were eating ice cream sundaes out of salad bowls. And uh-huh. he came home from his job, and we were going to move to New York together. Uh-huh. And he was teaching at a at a tech school mm. and he came in and said I got tenure oh yeah so yeah. and I mean he over was. the Sunday with the cherry in front of my face mm-hmm. I was like what, what about my career <laughs> and he was like well and he looked down and I tell people ever since when you get that look down I'm sorry for laughing it'll run your ass cold like oh. I'm like whoa <laughs> 
I was working three jobs, Dean. Stop laughing. You're so mean. I was working three jobs. I was getting fat. I'm like, this motherfucker's not going with me. And I said, well, I'm leaving you. I'm going to leave you. And he just, his head's not even up. He's a fool. He's like, what? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I'm going to do this. I'm doing it. And I went back to Nashville. And I, I... I gave up my apartment. I called the guy. He was a, a guitarist that rented my apartment, my landlord and his wife, and the wife was a ball buster. And I said, I know she's going to be angry. I'm breaking my lease. He said, you don't even have to talk to her. Go. Mm. I told him the truth, what okay. happened, and he said, you just go, girl. You go. Uh-huh. Go as fast as you can. That's such out of your life's the movie. It's out of the movie. Yeah. And, I mean, this is what NBC bought because yeah. they were like, oh, yeah, this is good stuff. And I, um, I was going to play my mother, mm-hmm. and then a kid was going to play me. And we're oh, going to make okay. it like that. But anyway, and then I would play me mm-hmm. when we got to present day. Right. But anyway, the idea, the, what ended up happening was I um, went back to Nashville, and I, I got rid of that, quit all three jobs, and called my mom mm-hmm. and said, I want to know, if, can I come home for a couple months? And she said, of course, but why? I mean, she said, of course, but I paid rent. But she said, why? And I said, well, I left Mark, and I'm moving to New York. I was 28. And my mom said, oh, is Mark not going? And I said, I've invited him, but mom, he doesn't have the courage to go. And she said, and you do? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I think God wants me there, and it matters to me. It's more important than anything else. I have to do this. If I don't go now, I'll never be rich enough, skinny enough, or funny enough. Mm. I got to go now. So are you doing stand-up at this point? It's very Jesus-y. Okay. It's, it's okay. <laughs> and um, no, not at all. But you, but you knew you were a funny Deep in my performer. heart, I always wanted to do stand-up. Interesting. And in Nashville, I had a dream. This is weird because I was not a comic. I didn't have a desire of it that I had. Until this point, I realized... That's what I'm supposed to do. Mm. But I still didn't have the balls to do it. Right. I'd gotten up at Zany's once to do an audition for like an SNL kind of. Okay. A, a southern version right. of like SNL. Right. And um, Mad TV kind of thing. Right. And I had a dream that I was at like, remember, and it, was, it became a recurring dream for years. And in New York, I told the shrink and they were like, oh my God, that is such a significant dream. Mm. I dreamt that I was on a stage like in Beaches like amphitheater, like mm-hmm. Hollywood Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I walked in, and it was afternoon. And I, I'd done a lot of summer stock, so I, I understood amphitheaters mm-hmm. and stuff. And I was standing, I was alone, but I was standing on this, there was a microphone in the middle of the stage by itself, mm-hmm. like a singer would have. Right. And I walked out, and I looked around, and I was picturing in the dream all the people filling the crowd. Mm-hmm. And I knew how big it, and I knew the show was tonight, mm-hmm. that night, and that it was going to be a lot of people and I was very nervous in my stomach, mm-hmm. but excited. And I went to take the mic off the mic stand. Mm-hmm. And when I did, the stand shook. And the, you know, the reverb sound when you, Ooh. right? And it went, woo! And, and I jumped and caught the mic, but it was all awkward. Mm-hmm. And I heard a little girl laughing mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. And I looked in the front row, and it was me. Oh, five. wow. Five. Wow in one of the best days of my life. Mm. And I remembered the outfit when I sat on Santa's lap when mm. we were still with my dad. And I was laughing really hard, little Lynn. And Big Lynn winked at her. 
Mm. And I tried it again, and this time I pulled it off easily and threw the cord behind me. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I woke up. And I didn't even know what I was doing, if I was going to sing or what uh-huh, I was doing. Uh-huh. Deep in my heart, I knew. Oh, and, um, man. <laughs> I know. Just, you got to have these it's amazing cool stories. Story. And I got back, um, you know, when I, when I told my mom I'm leaving, I'm leaving Mark, and I, I begged him to come, and I even, I, I think I told you last time, I told him I would marry him if he asked me, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't go, but someday I'd leave him. Mm-hmm. And he said, what? And I said, this is a calling, like, this is from God, and I'll leave you someday to mm-hmm. go to New York. Mm-hmm. Even if we have children, I'll leave. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, but you'll marry me? And then another woman intervened and said, uh, you don't want to marry her? She just told you she would leave you. This is out, you're in public somewhere? No, this is at his house when he, with the Sunday. Right, okay. So he ended up not asking me. Mm. And I went to New York. I, well, first I got appendicitis in Virginia. Of and course. stayed there with my mother, right? And, oh, when I told my mother what I was doing, my mother said, I have $5,000 saved. You can have it. Because she said, how much money do you have? And I mm. said, $900. Mm. I know it's not enough, but it'll never be enough. Right. I'm going. This is a lot of courage. And my mom said, I have $5,000. And then my sister said, I have 5000 too. Oh, wow. You, here, can I just tell you, when you said, <laughs> when you said I, I went to New York with $7,000, I was like, wow, she shaved up. I, I, I had 1500 when I moved back no, to the world. I box. had ten, and I blew part of it in Virginia. So, um, No, it makes sense, though. Someone said here. They I gave get, it to yeah. me because they, they thought it was really brave. and, and it, it, um, is. It, it was, it is, yeah. It was. I mean, I spent a good month. I lived with Mark's family. Mm-hmm. You know, in New Jersey, they thought I would. At one point, the sister called me and said, "He is so sad." And I thought you would. I never should have let you live with us, because you. I should have. You should have just go back and do what you were supposed to do, what you wanted to do in the first place. And I said, "Bitch, what the hell did I want to do?" And she said, "You wanted to be a teacher." And I said, "Oh, Susan, I appreciate your kindness, but had you not allowed me." To stay with you, I would have stayed at the YMC, YWCA right. in, in the McBurney Y. I go, I, I wasn't going to go back. Right. You had nothing to do with this. Right. And I said, your brother's weak. It's funny how people want to insert I said, themselves. he's weak. Mm-hmm. And I said, and let me tell you something. He needs a woman in his life. He had a new girlfriend she didn't like because he was going with her for Christmas. And, mm-hmm. it's just, so she was, and I said, I'm going to tell you something now. And I was on TV at the time that I, I said that I never had the courage to tell you. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you. And she said, all right, fine. She was a real battle in Bertha. And I said, you're a difficult woman. And your brother loves you, but mm-hmm. you will lose him because mm-hmm. he's weak mm-hmm. and he loves this new woman. So you either need to make her your friend or just say goodbye to your brother. Mm-hmm. And she hung up with me and called me back a half hour later and said, no one's ever talked to me like that before. And I said, I'm sorry. And she said, Mark saw you on television and thought you looked beautiful. Oh, that's thought nice. you might want to know. That's nice. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so it's just, I think I've had a good life. I haven't rung all the bells I meant to, I thought I was supposed to ring. Mm-hmm. But it's been interesting and fun. And, and now that I'm getting to a place where I don't care anymore what people think about me, because mm-hmm. I'm sure you've had that too. Mm-hmm. It's weird. You do get caught up in it because this job you have to care. Yeah. But yeah, to some extent because you're it's a, it's a constant judgment. You know, every every time you go on stage, 
you're being judged on are you funny or are you not. You know, it's the, the, I think stand-up in comparison to every other uh, artistic vocation is immediate. You know, stand-up. Not, not comedy, but specifically stand-up comedy in comparison to singing, in comparison to playing an instrument, in comparison to acting on, on stage, acting in, uh, in movies, on film. Um, you know immediately whether or not you know, and there's there's a lot of subjectivity, but it's also objective because if 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 the room laughs, it's working. If they're not, then then it's not working. Look, when I'm not funny, it's no one's fault but mine. Right. I know that. Right. Because I honestly know how to be funny in yeah. all situations. Yeah. Whether or not I am, whether or not I want to be, whether or not I'm in the right frame of mind, that's why I think therapy and stuff is good mm-hmm. for comics because, or any kind of artist, because you give a lot of yourself mm-hmm. and you have to have time to check and to... Because there are times in your career where you, you honestly feel like some trained monkey that's just being brought <laughs> right. out to be funny right. and then left back in their room, right. in their kennel. <laughs> in the cage. Yeah, just being like shit right. sitting in the hotel room going, right. really? With like, Nick and Alan and, and Mark. Yeah, we're all just angry. and like, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Throwing dung at one another. Right, right. You know, and, it, and so... And, and I mean, and those are good days when you have other monkeys in the cage. Yeah. Most of the time, you're just that little sad monkey that might get tested on, right. sitting all by himself. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> just a little quiet. Yeah. It is is just, there a monkey in this right. house? <laughs> <laughs> you can almost not be noticed. Right. <laughs> but you still have a monkey. You have a monkey in this house. <laughs> no, no, we don't. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be the title oh, of my, my autobiography. <laughs> Is there a monkey in this house? You have a monkey in your shirt, don't what, you? <laughs> what, 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 what club is the first club you get on on stage? At? Stand up in the yard. Stand up. So I somehow. Well, I, no, the very first. Mm-hmm. Very first. Mm-hmm. Gladys's comedy Gladys's. Room in Hamburger Harry's. What 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 finally pushed you over to finally get on stage? I was stage? working at a production company. Okay. And two girlfriends who were coordinators said we were doing the MNN. I needed a creative outlet, okay. so I realized that there was the Manhattan Neighborhood Network. They were oh, a production yeah, I company right. that I worked for. So I grabbed one of the girls who was a camera girl. And I asked her about it, and she said, I'll do the research if you'll do it, because they thought I was funny. Okay. And we, you know, it's it's all the stories you hear about Ronnie Van Zant and all these bands and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I could play the guitar, okay? You know, so, like, mm-hmm. I was funny. So we started doing this, and my other new girlfriend, I didn't have any friends either mm-hmm. in New York. How many, <laughs> how, how how far into living in New York is this? does this happen? Seven, uh, probably about nine months. Okay. Maybe maybe a year, maybe 12 months. It didn't take too long. But seven months of that were brutal. Of course. Just beating the pavement every day, being told to go back. I mean, I had people tell me to go back to Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, technically, I'm from Jersey. And you know how crazy I was. I'm like, well, God told me to come here. (laughs) So... And I, I had a red patent leather jacket. 
that you wore every day? That I got from, and it was a blizzard too. I used to walk up and down the blizzard in that red patent leather jacket from <laughs> The Limited with a black and white turtleneck and my hair in a red scrunchie that matched the jacket. Mm. And I would sing the Mary Tyler Moore theme song, In the Snow. Yeah, go to Megan. Get yeah. after oh, But it's <laughs> freezing. Oh. Who can make the world change with a smile? <laughs> Who can take another day? I made a mistake. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> and um, I sat in the birdcage because I needed to get in from the cold mm-hmm. and watch that movie and cried so hard. Mm. In the back of the theater, people were turning to look at me. I mean, crying where you're like, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I told Robin Williams that he laughed so hard. He's like, that's the funniest story I've ever heard. I go, yeah, it's not a movie. It's like going into Schindler's List and laughing. Right, there, right, you know? right. And um, but when they told me to do that, I said, I was, no, it had to have been two years because I was thirty, just turned thirty. Okay. And I said, guys. I appreciate it, and I, I've thought about stand-up. I would love to do it, but I, I think it's like being an opera singer. Now, remember, I talk to God about it all the mm-hmm. time. And I said, but you don't just be an opera singer. Mm-hmm. And they both looked at me and said, well, actually, you do. Mm-hmm. We researched it and here. And then they opened up a calendar, and they said, we want you to pick the dates you want to go up. You do what's called an open mic. And He's like, Gladys is in Hamburg. Okay. And I said, well, Okay. And my dad was still alive, and my dad was a comedian, too. He right. used to do a whole thing with um, Frankie Avalon mm-hmm. at a casino, and my dad would work in the kitchen, and he'd come out with sausages, and they uh-huh. had a whole shtick. And he was excited, and Rico. And my mom um, flew, he flew to New York from Florida uh-huh. to go with me. Mm-hmm. And I wrote the worst four minutes. I took D.F. Sweetler's class. Oh, up at uh, yeah. Strip? Yeah, okay. prior to everything, which is part of why the girls wanted me to do it. And um, now, because I was creatively dying, I needed to do something. An outlet. You needed an outlet. Yeah, and acting just, you know, I, I just felt like, I, I always felt like I was a decent actress, but I wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And in New York, you know, you're going up against great theater right. actors. And right. I wasn't a triple threat. I couldn't sing and dance. Right. And I just felt like this is silly. You singing the Mary Tyler Moore while crying sounded decent. <laughs> Who can make <laughs> the world change? Anyway, so I, um, the girl said, you know, we want you to do this. And I wrote the, the worst three minutes about gerbils up the butt. And just horrible stuff. So this was okay. So what this, I thought was stand up. Five ish. Yeah, yeah. What I thought was stand up, and I did it for my mother, and I'd still see her in my little apartment in <laughs> Chelsea, and she went, "What is that?" And now my mother typically has been screamed at by me. Uh-huh. One time she was reading lines with me for a summer stock thing, and she said, "Why did you?" It was Shakespeare. Why does your voice sound like this when you do your lines? And I'm like, you know nothing about Shakespeare. <laughs> you don't know the part. And I said, get out of here, mother. You're a horrible reader. You know nothing. It's Titania, queen of the fairies. This is how she speaks. And my mother said, well, it sounds odd. And she, you know, I'll never read with you again. Well, good. I don't want you to. So um, with this, she said, don't get mad at me. And I said, I won't. And she said, why are you talking about gerbils and butts? Mm-hmm. And I said, because it's comedy, Mom. Mm-hmm. This is comedy. It's how you do comedy. 
And you don't and know how, said, how to do it, but this is... Well, Bob Hope never talked about that. Mm. I'm not doing Bob Hope, mother. Well, Joan Rivers didn't talk about that. Mm. Okay. <laughs> well, that's all I have, Mom. Okay, well, I, yeah, we don't have to fight. You do you. Okay, so we all go. I've got my little time in my hand. My other girlfriend's with me. Mm. And I'm watching all these comics. We sit through 50 comics. Uh, uh, going live? Going to watch people live? Mm-hmm. Do you remember who, if at all? Dino Badala. Oh, wow. Um, Tim Toohey, all these guys, Steve Donovan. And Gladys comes over, you know, with her little midgety self. (laughs) And she says, you're on next, kid. And I said, okay. She said, what do you want me to say? And I said, my name is Lynn Coppolitz. And she said, no, kid, your credits. And I said, well, I've never done this before. And she said, seriously? And I said, yeah. And she goes, that's enough. Come on. So she goes up and she goes, now, all of you settle down. She's never done stand-up ever. (laughs) And I turn to my mother and my mom goes, we'll go right now and get a lobster. (laughs) And I crumpled up, I said a prayer and I crumpled up my set list and put it in my mother's hands. Uh And my mother goes, what are you doing? What are you going to talk about? And I said, just going to be me. And I said, if I get one laugh, I'll do it again. Okay. And she goes, okay. And I had a cat at the time that was insane. We found her in a dumpster in New Jersey. You love the rescues. Yeah, but the dumpster in New Jersey should have said it all. <laughs> she bit my eyelids when I was sleeping, and she'd fall on people, and she locked my door. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I told her she was going to go live on a plate in Chinatown, and she unlocked the door. She hit the key and locked it. Uh-huh. And I, I could see her sitting in there with her little weird black and white mouth looking at me like, mm-hmm, <laughs> And I was like... Gracie, I ain't playing with you. You don't unlock this motherfucking door. I will put you in a window in Chinatown. And I just heard, chink. And she unlocked it, hit it with her paw. Uh-huh. And you know how you had the deadbolt? Yeah. If it was funny, uh-huh. it wouldn't open. Uh-huh. And she unlocked it, and the, the super was a Polish guy. He was like, this is the smartest cat alive. I take this cat. I'm like, you can have it right now. Uh-huh. So I, I hated that cat. So I went up and just talked about Crazy Gracie. Uh-huh. And the the... There was a cab driver who told me he'd kill the cat for me if I wanted him to. It was just the funny oh, stories right. about this cat. And I got a laugh, and I came off stage, and, and Gladys tapped me on the back and said, Hey, kid, you come back Friday, and I'll let you bark for spots. And it was she could have literally been speaking Greek. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what Didn't any what of it meant. meant. And I said, I can't come back Friday. I, I, I just did it tonight. Mm-hmm. And she said, Yeah, sure you did. Oh, that's funny. And she said, you come back Friday. And I said, well, what do you mean bark? And she said, I give you a bunch of flyers and you stand in Times Square. And I said, I I don't even know how to do that. And she goes, it doesn't take a brain surgeon. You'll figure it out. (laughs) And it's going to be a lot of guys, too. Don't worry. Nobody will harass you if that's what you're worried about. I mean, not was I not worried. Like, this was so New York-y and odd and, you know. And I did it. And, um. And I was good at barking. Uh-huh. I could get a lot of people in. Uh, okay. So I started getting five minutes on stage. And, Which helps your confidence. And then I decided, well, the only way to learn how to do this would be to watch other people do it. Mm-hmm. So I started going to catch mm-hmm. and stand up and researching it, because that's what we did right. in the office. And, oh, I didn't do my other job at all. All I did was practice, do right. stand-up crap yeah, right. on the computer and yeah. everything. 
I don't and, remember um, those days. <laughs> all I did right. was do stand-up stuff. Right. And when I wasn't writing or calling a club, I was practicing at lunch with the people that worked there. <laughs> hey, who, so... Who... Did you have a, a crew of other... You know, because when new comics start, you, you, you see who Dino else looks Badala, nervous. Okay, so it was Obi. Tim okay. Tui, um, Steve Donovan. Those were like my core guys okay. I hung out with. And, and we worshipped Jim Gaff again. We nice. worshipped... Um, you know, uh, who else used to come in all the time? Well, Alubel. Okay, Alubel. And they, they used to come into any room, you know. Yeah. Regal. Yeah. Greg Regal yeah. would come in. Yeah. And um, They had bump power. They had bump power at Gladys's. Yeah. And Gladys's, for people, like, it was a, it, it was a shit room. Like, yeah. if you could make it there, you could make it anywhere. Right. And um, then I knew, I knew about bringer shows. Okay. And I worked at a production company that was very successful for making commercials. So I waited. I knew we had a shoot coming up, and that meant the, the bullpen would be full of producers and directors and everybody. And I started telling them all, I'm going to do a bringer show at Catch a Rising Star. And I invited my family, and I invited everybody. I had 75 people at oh, Catch. Wow. My dad came in from Long Island, everybody. Well, for people who don't know... If you bring 75 people to a bringer show, it, word gets out about you that you have 75 people right, to bring. that'll come. Most comics bring each other. Right. So, um, and my people all paid and all drank. Okay. So, okay. then I get a call from Caroline's. <laughs> That's funny. Inviting me Who's to it, do is a it bringer Louis, show. Louis Veranda or, uh, um, what's the other... A new link, I guess. Was it Lewis? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I pick another time when we're having a shoot, mm-hmm. and I say, okay, but I need a couple months. And now I'm gonna, I'm, I'm practicing because I want to do another good set. Yeah. And I, I now have worked it up where I have just about five minutes, okay. not even, not even four ten. and a half, yeah. Okay. And um. I bring people out there, not as many, but probably 50. Still. 50 or six. Well, Lewis thought it was great. Yeah. Wanted to bring me back in two weeks, and I said, no, I'm going to stand up in New York. Okay. So I take about 30 people to stand up in New York a couple months later. So it's all taken me about five months. Right. Six months at this point. And I get up, because these are all clubs I've gone to. And, there, and it was me trying to figure out where I wanted my home club to be. Right. Never even dawning on me that you don't do it like that. Right, right. But I, I was going to impress all these clubs with how many people I could bring. Right. And that would make them take notice of me, and then they'd see my act. Right, we always have these plans, these grand plans. Of well, it was smart because it worked. But it was, it was smart. Because they did say, there's a girl here that brought 75 people. Oh, well, is she funny? Right. You want to see who brought 75 people. Right. Well, you only have a minute to be funny because mm-hmm. they're not going to watch you if you're not. Right. And, well, she's only been doing this for six months. So they all want to throw an eye. Mm-hmm. And she's nice to look at. I was okay. I was mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. as cute as I got eventually once I had a deal. Mm-hmm. But I was cutesy. Yeah. And um, I met Stand Up New York. And Carrie and Suzanne was alive. Oh, yeah. And they had the monitor in the office downstairs. Mm-hmm. And I really loved Stand Up New York, and I really, it was the first club I'd ever seen comedy in in New York ever. Mm-hmm. Before I lived there, I came with my sister. And we saw Mitch Fatel. Mm-hmm. 
And I said, okay. And Zach Galifianakis. Mm. And I said, okay, I'm uh, just going to do this. And I went up and did it. When I came off stage, Suzanne was flying up the stairs. Mm. And she said, may I speak to you for a minute? Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And she said, my name's Suzanne Hoffman, and I'm one of the owners of this club. I said, well, it's a pleasure to meet you. And she said, you have representation? Oh, wow. And I said, no. Mm-mm. And she said, I'd like you to meet my husband. And she took me down this dirty basement, <laughs> past the past bathroom, the bathroom. <laughs> to this old Jewish man sitting on a Stack the box. Boxes with of beer. And- dirty crap everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, this looks like my future. And he said, my wife pointed you out on the monitor of this little crappy TV that's, like, flittering. It was, like, out of a movie. Broadway Danny Rose did. And he said, we think you got something. And I said, okay. And he said, how long have you been doing this? And I said, five months. Really? And what people don't know is, like, if you've got something at five months, they get excited because that means... There's only places right. you can go. The possibilities. Which Che had. Remember when you yeah. saw Che the first mm-hmm. time? It was mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? This right. guy's going to make it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he would just come up with an idea mm-hmm. and be just goofing around. And you're like, he's looking at this from angles that no one else is right. looking at it. Right. So, and I remember coming up and saying, that kid's going to be super famous. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, who? And I go, Michael Che. And Mark Norman was sitting at the table. And he kind of, and I go, don't feel bad. Somebody will take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> I go, go be that guy's friend. Right. He got married. Right, right, right. But anyway, I said, you're funny, but that guy's special. Right. right. Anyway, the And there's something to that that people should understand. There's a difference between being, just, having just uh, talent. The, the talent and actually having something special that, that it, that it factor that is intangible. There's a talent and then there's a gift. Yeah. A lot of people sing, but not everybody is Lady Gaga or, right. or Barbara Streisand or, you know, Mary J. Blige. Right. The black contingency says thank you for including us. No, she's a black. She's a black Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Mary J. Blige is a black Barbara Streisand. That's hilarious. That's funny. I mean, in my mind, she yeah, is anything. No, yeah, or, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Or Adele, like she's. Yeah. She's got real pipes. So you, so you wound up with with representation quickly. Five months, and then they wow. said, "Wow, we're not going to sign you yet." Mm-hmm. We'd like to offer you the club to war- to That's practice dope, in. So I went every day after work, mm-hmm. and I waited, and Tim, fucking horrible Tim that managed t- the club, yeah. would never put me up because he was angry that I was getting, you know, right. he wanted his students to go up. Right. And I would wait. Oh, and one day Suzanne came up and said, "Did you?" they were going out to eat, and she goes, did you go up yet? And I said, no, I'm waiting. And she said, you have to work in the morning. And she went over and went up one side of him and down the other. Nice. And then he said to me, I felt kind of good. Oh, no. He said, you go on next right after Judy Gold. Oh, geez. And my heart just, I I said, please put someone else up. And he goes, no. You want to get your, you want a sick um, boss lady on me? Mm. And I said, I swear to God, I didn't. And he said, too bad. You'll go up every night after Judy Gold or Susie Esman. And it was the best thing he ever did for me. That's how you get better. 
because Ju Susie and Judy saw me mm -hmm. and would say, hey, kid, don't open with that. Open with this. It's like saying you're going to work out next to Mike Tyson every day. Right. Well, eventually Mike okay. Tyson was like, look at you. Yeah. Increase your weight. Right. <laughs> you know, like, so now I'm being trained by Mike Tyson. So um, I don't care what some fat guy who teaches a comedy class thinks. I care what these women think. Right. I'm, I'm rising just because I want them to right. see it. Right. Well, uh, Carrie called me back in a month later. One day he just looked up and I was leaning on the back wall and he said, I was like, who the hell is she became a comic? And he said, here, I want to offer you a contract. And it was a decent contract, mm -hmm. and it was a typical one. And he said, a two year, two have a, year. yeah, it was a, it was a the six by two by two where it's like, if if he meets these requirements, mm -hmm. then it renews, and or you have the option to get out in a year okay. if he doesn't make you like a hundred thousand dollars or get you a development deal, mm -hmm. and then so it it was good, but I didn't know. And he said, well, have a lawyer look at it. So. I did, mm -hmm. because I worked at a production company. So nice. my boss at the time had a, an entertainment lawyer, mm. and he looked at it, and he marked it all up, and I brought it back and left it for Carrie. And we're going on like two weeks after that. I hadn't heard from him at all when I was on stage, and I thought, it felt to me, and I'm pretty good at this, that he was mad at me. Mm -hmm. So I went down one day, and I said, hey, I left you the contract. Did you see it? And he said, come in here. And Suzanne was out of town. She was in California. And he said, frankly, I'm a little miffed by it. Mm -hmm. and, and this is a good thing for your listeners to hear because mm -hmm. this happens in life. People get mad at you for the very thing they tell you to do. And I said, okay, why? And he said, because most comics would give their, their arm right. to have a club they could work at, representation like us. Mm -hmm. And he had all these Mike and right. Tom and them. And he said, and you really have some audacity to give me this contract marked up like this. And I said, oh. And he had already told me that one of his biggest regrets was Caroline Ray that, and that I had reminded her, him mm -hmm. of her and blah, mm -hmm. blah, not signing her as a client. And mm -hmm. I said, okay. I said, may I say something? Mm -hmm. And he said, sure. And I said, you asked me to have this looked at by a lawyer, and right. I did it. I said, I, I, I realize now I don't think you thought I had access to an entertainment mm. attorney, mm. which really makes me question your sincerity. Mm. And he looked a little flustered. Mm. And his assistant was sitting in the room, and I said, he looked up. <laughs> and also, just so we're real clear, I've asked around about you. Mm -hmm. And it's not all been positive. Mm -hmm. But I was willing to go with my gut. But now you're spooking me. Mm. And you're actually making me have second thoughts. And well, I said, nice. and you know what, Carrie? It's a shame. Because I'm not the comic I was a month ago. Mm. I'm way better wow. because of this room. Mm -hmm. And I said, but it's just a room. I'll find <laughs> another room. And he looked at me, you can ask <laughs> yeah. him, and I said, so I'll leave, and you won't get a piece of what happens, but I tell you what, I promise you something. Leaving here is not going to make me not be a comic. Mm -hmm. So the good news is Caroline Ray will not be your biggest regret any longer. Mm. And I said, good night, and I'm sorry I've wasted your time. Mm. 
and I was out the door, halfway down the hall, and I heard, come back. Mm -hmm. And he said, let me take you to dinner. Mm. And we went to dinner and at the little Italian place around the corner. And Jerry Seinfeld was there, and he went and talked to Carrie. Carrie was trying to talk to him, and he was snubbing him. And Carrie goes, who? I'm very embarrassed that you're seeing this. <laughs> Wait, who was snubbing who? Carrie Jerry was snubbing? snubbed Carrie. Oh, wow. And because he pissed him off mm -hmm. about something. Mm -hmm. And, and Jerry, Carrie was so embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And I said, don't be embarrassed. I mean, I can see how you'd piss him off. Mm -hmm. He pissed me <laughs> off right. tonight. Right. And he said, tell me your story. And I told him the one I just told mm -hmm. you. And he said, wow, you're a brave woman. And he said, what's up with this contract? And I said, look, I, I don't know. I don't know who you are. Mm -hmm. And honestly, and he goes, what negative stuff did you hear about me when you asked around? And I did what you said. Mm -hmm. I said to him, Louis Veranda said that I shouldn't trust you or sign with you. And I told him exactly who it was, mm -hmm. exactly what he said. And he goes, fucking Louis Veranda, you know what he did? And he went into, he, he gave me excuses what? for everything. Like, really good ones, too. Uh -huh. And I said, okay. And then he said, if you don't want, I, we were talking, and I said, Carrie, I like you. And I went in my purse. He told me about clients who burned bridges and mm -hmm. things. And I pulled out the contract, and I just signed it. I didn't read it, look at it. Mm -hmm. I pulled out a fresh one, and I signed it. Mm -hmm. And he said, what's that? Mm -hmm. And I said, I like you. I trust you now. Mm -hmm. I don't need it. And he said, give me the one that's marked up. Mm -hmm. And he signed the one that was marked up. Oh, I wow. signed the clean one. And oh, that's interesting. And we shook hands. And, and so now I call. I was doing Caroline's mm -hmm. in a couple of weeks. And Louis Veranda says to me, you signed with him? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah. And I, he might be calling you. Mm -hmm. And he said, why? And I said, because I told him what you said. Dean, <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> you know, Lynn, because, I mean, I like you. And the, That's funny. <laughs> he said, I was trying to help you. And I said, by trashing somebody? I said, I, I go, listen, right. you never told me not to say anything. It's understood. I said, no, it's not. Right. Do you think it is? Um, no. Yeah, no. I think, I think it's. I think it's just I, I said not to someone that's green and has been doing doing comedy for five months. Well, not only this, but if you are telling me this person is dangerous for you mm -hmm. or or they are not they're onerous, mm -hmm. well, when I go back to them, I have to be able to say where I got this information. I think it's ridiculous to say I'm not going to sign with you because I've heard negative things about you. What negative things have you heard? Well, I'm not going to tell you. That's is high school. Yeah, but that that's the industry we're in is, is high school. I know, but I don't play it. No, but that's that's so I'm saying do I th do I think I'm like, yeah, I think because most people are cowards, right. you know. Right. And, when right. I'm the person who would have said, right. I'm not working with Harvey Fine, you know, Fierstein or whatever right. the hell his name is. Like, yeah. you know, he tried to shove his tongue down my throat. That guy's right. a fucking douchebag. Right. You know, and then so oh, well, what happened? Well, I'll tell you. That's right. why I don't want to do that. Right. But well, you also even even it sounds like even when you first started a, a month later, a month after working uh, stand up New York, Carrie and Susanna Hoffman's club, you understood your value and you understood that you're only getting better and and you're only how how many months into this and you've already because 
this idiot Tim uh, is attempting to punish you, he actually is is making you better by putting you on after Susie and Judy, you know, and and you you were able to assess, you know what, this actually is working to my advantage, and I'm I've gotten. Well, being a comic is better. absolutely no different than being a fighter, yeah, or um, you know, probably any kind of athlete or any kind you of need the reps. soldier. Need the reps. You, you and you need a fire in your belly, yeah. and without that opponent, mm-hmm. you know, you need a nemesis yeah. that you can overcome yeah. to train you properly. Because look at Rocky. Right. It's not pretty in the beginning. It's it's right. it's falling on your face and doing alt rooms where people with fucking elf ears are, are making noises. Right. You know, ukulele before you. And- oh, I watched a guy make a milkshake <laughs> and then like do a, a fake spit take. And I was like, seriously, I'm following milkshake, <laughs> dude. Like, you know, but if you follow milkshake, dude, and you can get a laugh, then, you know, following someone like Susie Essman is cake. Right. Because it's, it's a comedy Because she's deal. funny. Right. You know, and you just follow the fucking dry cleaning happening. Right. <laughs> just, right. like, the, the, the most ridiculous bullshit in the world. Right. And years later, like, literally, like, two years ago, mm-hmm. I got asked to do an altrim on the Lower East Side, and I thought, you're a grown-ass woman, almost 50, and you're going to be intimidated by these dirty little tree-hugging freaks. And I did it, and I killed. Uh-huh. People from the street came in, mm. and I mean, and I was yelling to them, right. "Oh, come on in here with your dirty fucking feet and your stupid things you're worried about, right. and your mismatched shoes or whatever you're right. doing today." Right. I know who you people are, right. and and I, they were just screaming, laughing, and I got left, and I thought, "I'm a comedian." Yeah, yeah. I got there. Yeah. Because I think the most important thing is to be adaptable. Right, right. Uh, Bruce Lee says, "Be like, be like water. Water, no matter what you, what you put water in, you put you put water in this this cup or this container, it becomes the container, becomes the cup. Because you you put water in your hand, it becomes the hand. It fills the shapes uh, and the right. crevices of your hand. You have to be like water. And how often have you have you and I both been in situations where it's not the perfect situation, you know, and you're and you're and, and the room's not set up for comedy. It's not set up conducive for comedy. And other comics that go on are like, oh, this place sucks. You're like, yeah, but we still have to, a show to do, so how do we? How do you adapt? Well, like I'm telling Dino that you're a clean comic, you know? He, mm-hmm. You work clean. Uh-huh. And he's like, can he handle this room? Yeah. Right, right, right. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Are you positive? Look, you don't have to be able to curse at an audience. Right. To get them, he's funny. He'll he'll get this right. room. It might it might take him a minute. He might have to read them a little and ask yeah. a few questions. But he's gonna get when he gets them. Yeah. They're gonna he, they're gonna love him so much. And yeah, because because you know what, even with situations like that, it's just, you want to like the the ego. My ego wants to say, I I I help build the 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 black circuit in in the tri-state area. So so your your little beach beachfront uh, comedy club is. Is not Bed Stuy in East New York. But what about me? When right. I have a room say to me, "Well, can you work clean?" Right. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. I had grandparents. Right. Right. Like, right. I know how to work clean. Right. I got called after Patrice had done a Jesuit school. Uh huh. Patrice. Yeah, I see where this is going. And 
he signed the contract and everything saying he'd work clean. And of course he did not. <laughs> they sued him. Did they sue him? I don't think it happened. I think right. they tried to. Like, they, why, they threatened why, to. Why waste but, but, that time? Uh, um, the booker at the time, or agent, was so flustered and kept saying to me, Lynn, please, promise me you'll be clean. Mm-hmm. I said, I will. I said, but what do you mean by clean? And they said, just nothing dirty, um, no dirty words. Mm-hmm. You can't talk about anything overtly, mm-hmm. you know. And I said, mm-hmm. overtly? And he said, yeah. I said, okay. So I went out. There were priests, mm-hmm. nuns, mm-hmm. and I talked about oral sex. Mm-hmm. Never said it was about oral sex. It was okay. about brushing your teeth. Okay. And it was all about a man slamming his wife's head down on the toothbrush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's frothing at the mouth. And, and I'm like, and, and, I, and I do the whole, like, and she's like, eh, and she can't, there's never a reason to put her head down on something that is, and it, it's, it's just. clever. And, and, and you're the, watching kid, the kids are screaming, laughing. Right. And the priests and nuns are confused. They don't know why it's funny. Right. And then I do a whole thing. I mean, it's all. Filthy Dean. It yeah. was the filthiest set I've ever done, <laughs> and none of it was dirty. Right, right. I, but did know, the kids? It was about the watching kids TV and your husband coming up behind you and mm. trying to get a book off the shelf. Uh-huh. But it's, it's clearly butt sex right. and doing a doggy right. style. Right. Okay. The kids got it all the way through. Right, right. And then the next snack, I booked everything because they were all saying, "Right, she's not really clean." Right. So then for the NACA, I started doing that. Uh, okay, I started writing smart. material right. that was filthy, uh-huh. but looked clean. Just smart, though. And, you know, getting your oil changed and all this stuff. And it was all uh-huh. about yeah. fucking different guys. Right. And, you know. That's clever. Yeah, it worked. It That's was smart, funny. smart, though. That, but you adapted. You made... Because I adapted. You adapted. And then I saw the potential in making money. And I was like, okay. I mean, it's just like Picasso getting pissed off because somebody wants him to paint the back of a thing blue mm-hmm. to match their living room. Right. And he's like, fuck that. Right. I'll rip this painting up before I let you have it. Right. Okay. But what if, Picasso, instead you went to the gallery and you painted for the people right. as they stood there. You painted to mm-hmm. the way you wanted it in the mm-hmm. colors they chose. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't you mind meld with make both those things right. a challenge well because maybe his confidence wasn't there he wasn't he was doing it just for himself and I, I don't know I just think that there's more to it and yeah I'm not I'm saying this to you from a couch and a you know is a little cleaner than the <laughs> one we were on last time with a career that's you know at mid-level and I need the $60 I won in the slot machine today <laughs> but I still think it's better to die being Yourself. yourself, yeah, being being yourself, and uh, and and you and you know the the a like career. A, a Urkel career is an actor. Yeah. You know that, right? Like he's yeah. an actor, and that guy, it probably has all his bills paid, mm-hmm. owns a home, parents yeah. own homes, yeah. and I guarantee you, deep in his heart, he's still probably like, "Fuck, I, I wanted to act." Yeah, he still wants to act, yeah. probably. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. did, but but and people did, don't but realize he, it yeah. wasn't. And probably wants to do, you know, I mean, look look at the um, Jeffrey Owens from the Cosby show that they sort of shamed uh, someone, disgusting. you know, shamed into, uh, shamed out of working at Trader Joe's, um, but he actually has been 
uh, offered and that was so fucking honorable of him. It like was. he's got kids and he just went and got a job. Got a job because in the meantime, you as an as an actor, and this is the difference between an actor, straight actor, and a comedian who also is an actor, is that. Between TV and film um, opportunities, you and I still can go, can still come out here and earn uh, a decent living, you know. Whereas if you are an actor, um, you're a hired hand, therefore, excuse me, you are waiting for the next opportunity to go prove your your metal, to prove you're dead in the water. Right. And so. Um, I know once once the Cosby Show got pulled off of so many reruns because I mean the Cosby Show was was always syndicated on multiple networks and you know with uh, with Dr. Cosby facing all the issues that he's been facing, um, uh, they a lot of networks you know pulled it and those residuals that they were getting probably weren't what they once were but they still if if that show's airing on multitudes on of, an airplane of in numerous Hong Kong, networks you know even worldwide the ten, even the 10 cents right you're getting that 10 Those cents every single day yeah it, it yeah, adds it up adds up and yeah it had to have hurt him of course all of, of them of course yeah of course and so you know how dare someone decides to clown someone for working for Having a job wherever, whether whether car wash or Trader Joe's or telemarketing. And the worst part, we talked about this, is that the picture was such an unflattering, horrible picture, right. which any of us, like right now, if someone came in and took pictures of us sitting here, right, with it all hanging out, you got your shorts on, right. my hair's top <laughs> on top of my head, getting ready to get bleached. Right. Like, give me a break. Nobody wants this right. shit. It posted with look at Lynn Goblitz laying in a right. shitty hotel room, like. Right. Because most, and that's, I mean, if you take it to social media, people people forget that social media, every pic, every picture you see on social media, has has been filtered, has been screened. They've they've taken multiple pictures to decide. No, this is the right picture that I'm going to post. People are posting the best of, not the worst of. Right, you with know? filters, and, right, and they've edited it and cut they've it edited to and fit got the, the right angle. And it's not candid. It's 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 here. Let's pose. No, I don't like that angle. Hold the camera up higher so as to right. And you, you say, know. "Hey, Jeffrey," and snap a picture of him right. while he's bagging groceries. Right, and you know, and and he has his own children. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just mean. It's, it was it's, just it's mean. Very very mean. But very it was mean. nice to see Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, what's her name, little Cardi B, and other people like yeah. step up, rally together, and say, ah, this, this and put their money where their mouth is, yeah. give them work, give them money. Um, they, I, I heard the thing that they, I don't think he accepted the money from Cardi B. He didn't want just right. that hand now, right? But that makes me respect him even more. Yeah, yeah. You know that he was just like, you know, I'll take the work. Yeah. Because he's a working yeah, we, 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 we'll have to do Joan Rivers another time, y'all. Oh, can we? Yeah, we'll do Joan we'll do another time. More. We'll do one more, so so we're going to do the third. Um, Lynn, it's been awesome. What, what's your what's your uh, social media? It's funny, Lynn, and, um, and it says the real Lynn Papa, so it's, it's, okay. there's two, one-on-one. Okay. And uh, the other one's just funny, Lynn, if you want to. Okay. And um, my, my little tour starts in November. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What, uh... Okay. October and November. Okay. October. I don't know.
So they can go. Do you have a website or is it on my Instagram? On your Instagram. So go to Funny Lane too and Facebook on social media and and follow Lynn. And if y'all enjoyed the podcast, and make sure you let her know and you leave a comment and let me know too. And remember, for for especially all the new new jacks and new jills that listen, but also anybody that listens, man. Keep in mind, man. Make sure you learn to adapt. Make sure make sure you you. Leave yeah, yourself room to, to, to be adapt, be adaptable um, for any situation. Um, but still be true to yourself. But still remain true to yourself. This is your man Dean Edwards on social media at I am Dean Edwards. All love. Lynn has always been awesome. I love, I love, you, I love you too. I love, I love the story. And, and, and we will get to. We we still didn't get to like your. We got the crust though. We got the original story. That's what I really wanted. <laughs> All love, y'all. I'll scream with y'all. Two fingers, basically.